Hey weirdos, I'm Hannah Sainty and welcome to the Your Weird Podcast, the place that talks to creatives, artists and people living their best lives about how they do what they do, why they do what they do and how being a bit weird is a superpower. If robots are taking all our jobs, we better figure out how to harness the one thing that they can't do, be creative. Enjoy the show. my weirdos welcome back to another episode of the all weird podcast today is going to be a spotlight on a weirdo episode and this is a really really interesting very in-depth conversation with a wonderful new friend of mine named dr Susie j jarmain so we met through the melbourne actors guild which i have mentioned before uh, a friend of mine named emma goff who you can also find on an episode in the your weird podcast collection she owns and runs and created this phenomenal space which drew susie to come and work from there as well so to give a little bit, bit of a background on Susie, Dr. Susie J. Jarmain is a multiple degree award-winning performing arts professional with over 30 years as a performer, actor, theatre maker and writer. She is also an educational facilitator with 18 years experience in the tertiary, public, private and corporate sectors. She also specialises in working with and utilising the relationship between identity and realistic acting, performance and presenting. With such extensive experience, she has actually worked with a lot of different companies across Australia and the UK. Just to name a few, she's worked with the National Theatre of Scotland, BBC Scotland, Traverse Theatre, The Arches, North Edinburgh Arts Centre, and that's all just in the UK. In Australia, she's worked with the Performance Space, Melbourne Theatre Company, La Mama, Victorian College of the Arts, Melbourne University, Monash University, NIDA Open, Actors Guild Australia and the Australian Theatre for Young People. What an incredible resume she already has. In 2016, she was awarded the Australian Philip Parsons Prize for Performance as Research from the Australasian Association for Theatre, Drama and Performance Studies, which led to her presenting her acting research at conferences nationally and internationally. She's published a few works as well, including one titled Acting Dangerously, Confessions of a Transformational Actor, which you can find on the Arts Hub. She's published Beyond Realism, an investigation of the 21st century transformational actor and identity. And she's also published an XYZ Factor on Word Matters in the UK. She's also worked on a few solo theatre works, including one titled Elizabeth Taylor is My Mother, from 2006, and another called The Disappearing Trilogy, which was in 2009. She's currently in development and rehearsing for a new solo work, and so she's been passionately engaged in research and creating with these new approaches to combine live performance with educational methods and develop different approaches to actor training. Now, Susie is such a phenomenal person. She's got this energy that just explodes out of her, and she's a really beautiful person, a very funny person, and I had a lot of fun doing this interview we'd only met each other a couple of times before this and you know when you meet someone you just immediately click and you're like yeah we're going to be friends Susie was one of these people for me and so I was really excited to be able to interview her for this podcast and boy oh boy do we go deep we chat for quite a long time so you might want to listen to this episode into two parts 
but it is really worth listening to. So we talk about a lot of things. We talk about acting, obviously. We talk about writing. We talk about uh, acting and writing like on, on like stage and theatre. We also talk about religion and philosophy as well as just storytelling in general. The show that she's going to be doing at Melbourne Fringe is actually called Celebrity. So we actually dive into the scientific facts around what a celebrity is and how our society perceives it and why we perceive it that way. Which also then takes us into another realm of conversation where we are talking about talent versus influence. Because obviously in today's current day and age, there's obviously a lot of TikTok and a lot of Instagram and, you know, people are getting famous because of just influencing, kind of like the Paris Hilton effect. And we talk about what that is like versus talent and how you can achieve what you want to achieve, you know, your, your goals and your definition of success based on these two principles and which one is kind of more real, I suppose you could say. We also talk about like the reasons why we pursue art. We talk about narcissism. We also talk about reality TV, which is such a funny topic. Like I, you know what? I'm not even going to tell you. You can just listen to it. It's a really fun chat and we dive into the fun and the ridiculousness of reality TV but also just some like little secret feelings about it. So we'll listen up for that one. We also talk about the idea of home and creative spaces. We talk about shit jobs because that's a new thing that I love talking to creative people about. We talk about life as an actor and how it's hard. <laughs> we talk about a lot of stuff, actually. The homework is really good as well. I can't, I can't talk about this interview enough. I've just had a lot of fun uh, re-editing it at the moment and I'm really thrilled to be able to bring this to you because she's an awesome person. If you do ever have the opportunity to meet her or to work with her, definitely take up the offer because she is inspiring and she's motivating and she's just bloody cool. Of course, there will be small videos coming out of all of these uh, interviews because all of the artists that I interview are recorded via video and I will be releasing them when I get some time. In saying that, if you do want to follow the Patreon and help me out so I can keep paying an editor, please do. You can find it at patreon.com forward slash Hannah Sainty. Now, without further ado, I would like to present to you my interview with Dr. Susie J. Jarmaine. Oh, and I did mean to mention that in this episode, we talk about the research around celebrity itself, like the phenomena of it, and the title that is used to term someone who is famous for a brief time. So in the show, we call it celebitoid. Um, we got that a tiny bit wrong, so we're just going to correct it right now. It's called celetoid, not celebitoid. It's celetoid. Anyway, just don't when you're going out there saying tomato, tomato. Like who says tomato or potato, potato? No one says potato. Anyway, moving on. Enjoy the episode. Hello, Susie. Hello, Hannah. How are you? I'm great. I'm excellent and I'm very excited to be here. I actually have like little warm fuzzies kind of going up my legs <gasps> all the way up. Oh my God. Started, started the thing. Oh my God, started that's so exciting. Well, I'm really excited <laughs> to have you on because I met you and then I was immediately like, this chick has got so much going on. I need to have her on my podcast. I need to talk to her about all of her creativity. I need to talk to her about all of the amazing stuff she's done and seen and lived in her life. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> What's going on? There's, there's a lot going on mm -hmm. in terms of there's a show being made, which you walked in on the end of a making process today. I did. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So I was pulling out sections from the New Testament and the Old Testament and I just written as in the Bible as in the Bible <laughs> we allowed to say that Bible I let it out no I'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> yep in the Bible and yep. I was 
jamming with a character that I'm creating who's a narcissist and she's a celebrity, so I'm just going to let that out. I'm going to let that secret information out. (laughs) And she just had a bit of a tirade about being nothing and how that's really a positive thing if you're nobody and if you're nothing. And if you come to terms with being nobody and nothing, then that's when the real magic happens. That's yeah. a that's a real powerful statement, <laughs> isn't I it? And I was talking about so I'm finding all these really wonderful things. So that's happening. Like yeah. this character is is evolving and talking to me through a lot of research that I've been doing on motivational icons and speakers and God and Jesus and what else. Yeah, I think that's yeah, that's a lot. I love how like God and Jesus is like a motivational speaker. Well, they, <laughs> kind of are. they were definitely. Imagine them back in the day, just on the TEDx talk, it's now like, presenting God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, could you just come over to the Rock? We've got this new speaker. Nobody's really heard of them before. It's called Jesus. <laughs> Hey, why don't you just come over? We've got some bread. We've got some fish. Yeah, we got the wine. Get yeah, on it. Yeah. And it looks like water, but I'm going to sort that yeah, out. Yeah, don't worry about it. Fix yeah. it. Pretend it's vodka and we'll Look, swap it out. See that puddle there? Don't worry about walking around it. We'll just part it. <laughs> It'll be fine. Oh, you'll hover over the top. <laughs> Woo. I mean, that's. I'd go to that. <laughs> so would I. I'm sorry, right, but I wouldn't know what to wear. No, I mean, I think um, you need to go for, like, hobo chic. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, what would that look like? I'm thinking Brown. (laughs) Just brown. (laughs) Yeah, brown scares me. Does it? Yeah, a little bit. Why are you scared of brown? (laughs) (laughs) Straight into the fears. Hi, my name's Susie and I'm scared of brown. (laughs) Uh, I was in a house yesterday, like this old... Fashioned house. I'm looking for a place to live. Okay. And call home, which is a big deal for an artist. And we'll get in. Oh, yeah. We will. Sorry about that. Yeah. And it was, there was just like this brown, like a light sort of, like almost like a cross light caramelly brown Mm. edging around everything in the cupboard doors were that colour as well. And (laughs) this lady said to me, I said, it's rather brown. (laughs) And she said, and she called it this name. Like there's a name for the colour, for the. For that brown. For that brown. Oh. in edging, in a property, and she goes, it, it, this property is old 19-something or other. Like it wasn't 1960s or 70s. Like she kind of gave it an era-like term. Yeah, because I tuned out. Yeah. To be honest, I kind of tuned out because yeah. I was overwhelmed by the brown. The brown, too much brown. Yep, and the fact that she knew a, t- a term. Like it, is the it has a term. Is it called Barley Belly? Oh, yeah! <laughs> What's <laughs> 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 Is that really a thing? What is it called, Barley Belly? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think there's one called Barley Belly. I think she said that. Did she? Well, I'm going to investigate. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> but back to your work. Yeah. Right? So I walked in to this, like, incredible – it's like there's well, – we're, we're in the Melbourne Actors Guild because you are a member here. You're doing a lot of work here. This is yes. where we're recording from. There's a big table in the common room and you had your work spread out over the entire thing. And I've got to say, I walked in, I was very pleased to see all of it because you're working on this piece that's called Celebrity. But tell me how you got here. Tell me about your story, like this journey to come and create this work, which you feel so like empowered by because you want to send this message. What's brought you here? 
great question. Because I'm an actor. Because you're an actor. I I think I've struggled and I put down that struggle to say what's underneath it. Why, Why am I having a difficult time with what industry is? And I always have. So I became an actor because that's what you do when you tell stories and you pretend to be someone else. So I was like, okay, well, that's what I'll do. And it came from an external influence. So it was like, you need to you need, go and study acting. And I was like, I'm going to be an actor. And I saw, you know, what acting was on movies. I didn't, I didn't and I saw a piece of theatre and I saw Shakespeare and I think it was Othello and I went, wow, this is the best thing I've ever seen. I have absolutely no idea <laughs> really of what you're saying but I'm getting a feeling and I love it and when Shylock took the, the flesh, I was like, I can feel it today. I was like, no, don't! <laughs> and so I was so invested. But as I've evolved into who I am and come out of that, sort of youthfulness and that innocence of what acting could be and is and the industry and what the industry asks of actors, this big thing about celebrity comes up. And I was a little bit famous at one point for a small period of time and not because of any other reason other than I got scared. Was and it a brown? You got scared. I brown always, was involved. All the photographers kind of <laughs> kept showing up going, hi, we want to talk to you about brown. And I was like, I don't want to talk about brown. Well, let's talk about the shot. I don't want to talk about the shot. I don't want to talk about brown. Come sit in this brown chair. I was like, I'll sit in this brown chair. Why don't you read this brown paper? I don't want to read the brown paper. Why don't you have this sandwich wrapped in brown paper? No. <laughs> so it was a bit like that. And, you know, it, it, it it's always been a point of fascination about the juxtaposition and sometimes the tension and the torsion between public and private and being in the spotlight and playing a role and people or audiences really enjoying that storytelling and then they meet the actor (laughs) and then they get surprised because A, you're smaller (laughs) 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 <laughs> you're not the character and see you're actually a human being who has vulnerabilities and they're mm-hmm. like oh but that oh, but, uh-huh. and then you know it's sometimes it can get quite vicious in a sense that the actor becomes property of the audience or the fan or becomes property of the media or becomes property of whoever it is that they're in relationship with on stage or the director. And it's it's not always the case, but it seems to come or and it seems to come back to this idea that an actor and an actor who plays a character and that character, if it's successful, is often celebritized or put into a position of being someone who's untouchable untouchable or something other than what they truly are, which is an actor. Mm. You know, mm. there's stuff put on top and I've gone, okay, well, what is celebrity? And now we could be really famous. And it hit me when I was in that Ed, uh, Adelaide Fringe. I've done a lot of fringes I was talking to you about. So both in Australia and in Edinburgh. And I got out and I had a broken leg and I was doing a show and the show was quite successful, but I had this broken leg and I had no money and I couldn't really do anything during the day. So I thought, okay, I'll go busking. It's Adelaide Fringe. 
it was in the 90s, so people were just like, oh, it's so artistic. And I'm going, yeah, <laughs> it is really artistic. And I was at drama school and, you know, everything was great. And I got out and I had a walking cane and I played like a golf, like a golf game, just in the middle of the No ball, no nothing, right? So I got this broken leg. I'm in blacks, right? You know, theater. Drama black. Drama yeah. black. Oh, my God. So neutral, but willing to accept. <laughs> <laughs> Accessible, but no identity. And I'm playing this imaginary game of golf. And I made $24 in half an hour Whoa. for simply doing this. And, I, you know, this is not... I'm not talking about Australian culture and not being cultured here. I'm not. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I had this cane and it was just total improvisation. I just imagined that the ball was there like I was hitting a, a golf ball off a tee and I'd go, four. And I just kept doing it. And people just That's kept giving me money. <laughs> But That's I was like, <laughs> I were they watching to see if the ball went in the hole? Were they waiting to see your reaction? No. Wow. So it was like, okay, so I can make some money from from just being weird. Oh yeah. no, oh, hell yeah, just being weird. Mm. See what I did there? Straight in there. Oh, I love it. So I was doing shows the same night that I was doing that sort of stuff all, and I started to become a bit of a celebrity in the show because I did weird stuff. So I'm making a big segue here. So I've come to I've come to celebrity basically from the point of view of always wanting to understand what it is that creates that fascination with an actor or with a character. And mm. now we've gone into, you know, things like influencing and celebrity sort of celebritization of things and people just because they have a lot of followers or they have a lot of things that they say that other people tell them to say which is a form of acting as well yeah it is yeah I've gone okay well where are we authentically in this if part of what so I teach and train actors and I, I train people to or empower people to speak publicly from a place of authenticity so to present and at you know all sorts of levels in in corporate structures and businesses and stuff now too if the most important thing that I've found is authenticity, to work from that authenticity and then step into the identity of an actor and then step into the role, mm. then how does celebrity feed into that? Yeah. Because that's another layer on top of it completely. It's and really interesting. <laughs> sort of sitting in that going, I don't really know because the celebrity is a performance of something. It is, yeah. And it's an endowment that's coming externally. So what is it? And I, Jesus Christ Superstar was part of what came up in research and the storyline of Jesus Christ Superstar and Jesus becoming a celebrity and him going, I don't want to be a celebrity. And it's like, dude, you're actually probably one of the first celebrities ever. Yeah. You know, so what are you going to do to stop that? And you're performing rituals and you're performing all these what are you going to do to stop that? Because God sent you apparently to come down to, you know, deliver this message and save the world. That's a big pressure. Mm-hmm. What's the best way to save a world? What's the best pe- way to people for people to listen? Tell them a story. Put a character forward. Okay, so Jesus. Now, I'm not. I'm not disputing Christians at all. No, like, no. Uh, you know, he's not. Sort of stuff. No. Yeah, but. 
I think what fascinates me the most about celebrity is it's now become a performance that's not really fed by anything other than other people endowing these people with particular status and particular mm. um, qualities that are iconic or that are quite godlike. And I'm going, dude, it used to be built on talent. Yep. And it used to be built, there's a thing, Chris Rojek, Professor Chris Rojek in, in the UK, Rojek, R-O-J-E-K. <laughs> He's fantastic. He's one of the best, best authorities, I think, or I, I feel, on celebrity culture. And he talks about it, uh, there's three different types of celebrity. Mm, okay. And there's a celebrity that you're born into, so like the Queen and, you know, it's a bloodline sort of thing. And you're, you're known because of that bloodline. Yes. Then there's the talent and the, the manifestation of your popularity or your renown, mm. which has now become celebrity, through what you do. Now that can also encompass influencing and stuff yep. and it's borderline. But then he creates this fantastic third level called a celebitoid. Oh. How cool is that? That is so cool. Celebitoid. Yeah. Oh. So it's a celebrity yes. that's created through tabloid culture. Oh, interesting. So that takes care of everything else. But there's still this idea that being a celebrity gives you the same sort of power as a god. Mm. And it's there and we're not talking about it. Yeah. We're not having that conversation. So I thought, okay, well, I'm going to have that conversation because not only does it encompass acting, so you're acting as if you are, but it also unpacks this whole idea of being an actor. If You're not really an actor. You're not really successful unless you're famous. It's like, hang on a minute. That's not true. That's actually That's actually a myth. Yeah, it is. And that's what we're starting to talk about. And I guess that's the – I'm really glad you asked me that question. <laughs> I'm really glad I did too. <laughs> yeah, because I guess that's the, the heart of it really. Underneath mm. it is is the, the validation that celebrity gives to all different kinds of people. But the fact that, you know, if, as an actor I've tasted that thing and, mm. and celebrity was not the reason that I <laughs> I needed to act. That's never been the reason. So I was like, oh, wow, okay. So this question came up for me all that time ago when my face was on newspapers and I yeah. had a great show. Yeah. And it's come up in reviews and I've gone, that doesn't, that's not the thing that, that's not the thing that buzzes my fuss. That's not the thing that's making the, the heartbeat in the work. It's not the thing that I, I love. It's not, it's not the reason. But it's a reason. Celebrity is this big thing. You know, and we're only just sitting here unpacking just tiny bits of it. Tiny bits. <laughs> but it's phenomenal. So I'm making work about it and I've decided I think there's also in the creative arts and performing arts, and I'll throw this to you, yeah. there's an epidemic and in big business too, but a lot in the performing arts and particularly in performance and acting, narcissism. Mm-hmm. Narcissism, and I'm going to say that again. Narcissism. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. Well, and I mean, because that is going to relate back to something else you just said, which I want to touch back on as well. It's this idea that you know, obviously, everyone has their own definition of success, mm. and so a lot of for a lot of people, the definition of their success is celebrity, which yeah. you can hear a lot of like celebrities talk about it, where it's like that's an empty hole, like fame and celebrity is an empty hole of nothingness. So it has to be for a different reason. 
And so I feel like sometimes the narcissism that you can experience when communicating with other artists who may be like a little bit lost or um, distracted might be the word. Some of them are just narcissists, but some can <laughs> yeah, actually be. Some actually are. Some actually are. Some have like a bit of a guise of narcissism <laughs> because it's like they're wrapped up in this idea that they have to chase the celebrity in order to get the validation to say that they are successful mm. and that comes from celebrity. And it's this idea that the ce- celeboid? Celebitoid. I knew there was a T. Celebitoid. Like if the celebitoid is the most accessible sort of part of of um, your creative journey, then that's what everyone is chasing after, which then puts mm. the blinkers on because you're like, I have to get that thing. And then because there's so much competition, be the first one on the trend, be the first one to be the most out there in the something. And so then that can sometimes create the narcissism. Mm. Other times I feel like people can be narcissists because it's like there's – and I had a discussion with someone about this the other day – I think sometimes artists can forget that they're in servitude of people. Yes, you're creating works for yourself, but you're still, if you're wanting to share that work, that's servitude of someone else because you're offering it to them. They don't have to receive it. It doesn't matter. It's coming from you. It's whatever you've created. That's like the intimate moment. Mm. But it's like if you want to be an external artist to the public, that means you're in service to them. Mm. And service to the idea because the idea exactly. doesn't just, it's not like, okay, I'm going to go to Woolies. I'm going to pick myself up. I've got to get... A couple of litres of milk, of armour milk, and I'm going to get myself like some protein and I'm going to get myself some spinach yep. and I'm just going to get a couple of creative ideas while I'm yeah, here. Yeah, let's just, just yeah, chuck them yeah. in. Get a trolley maybe. Yeah. yeah. I don't – Big I, one yeah, aisle I'll four. Do, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I might yeah. get an extra bag too. Yeah, why not? Yeah, because that's the a freezer. big idea. Put in the freezer. <laughs> Drop freezer. <laughs> <laughs> Will this keep? <laughs> this idea keep? Because like, it looks like it's going to use by date. Looks like it might. Yeah, I don't yeah. Know. But if we go to Big Magic, if we go to Big Magic, go to Big Magic. go to Big Magic, <laughs> Elizabeth Gilbert says, if you don't pick up that idea. Someone else will. Yeah. That's it. you got to do it. But that's true. You've got to be in servitude of the idea but mm. also the people. But that, I feel like that's like the um, – like to be in servitude of the idea, like they're simultaneous because it's like that idea wants to be expressed to the person. Yeah. But you have to understand that person before you can express it to them. Yes. For them for them to feel safe to receive it. You know, like those sorts of those sorts of um, ideas need to also be represented in the work. And yeah. sometimes I think because like you can see it in some artworks, you know when people are like quite quite aggressive in their art. <laughs> <laughs> and like there's a difference. You can be aggressive in the art and then give it, but they're they're aggressive like in the way that they're giving it. And that's yeah. like the unintentional bit. And then you're like, ah, that was really good, but now I think the aggression too comes from desperation because it is such a it can be such a tight industry oh yeah all across the board to enter into yeah but it's like just like you get like i've made this really great work and you go whoa man i think you just stabbed me in the eyes yeah (laughs) like oh i can't even say it no you need to say it i'm like okay i I will i would have liked if you just you know, shook my hand and said, hey, yeah. come see it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm probably like, hey. Now yeah. I feel very, very bruised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. I get what you mean too. And it's angry work. It's angry work, yeah. And it's angry about the work instead of the idea. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like you can be, like I can get like annoyed about like, you know, environmental things and stuff like mm. that. But I'm yeah. not, like I don't yell 
at the audience member, that one person. <laughs> they are, you know, separating the recycling. It's not their fault. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, take, I wonder if Colonel Sanders... <laughs> if Colonel Sanders, after I think he had out like 144 rejections or something like that, right? And he... I wonder if he actually went, you got to eat this chicken! <laughs> like, before he said, had a yes. I bet you didn't. I bet you... It's your choice. Chicken or not. There's like 26 spices in there. I'm not going to tell you what they are. Yeah. I don't know if it's 26. Is it 26? I'm not going to give you 26 reasons. Yeah. It's chicken or not chicken. That's it. And that's why he's successful. That's why. Just be cool. Yeah. I think getting aggressive, like the creative energy and the creative ideas that we have, there's a respect and a, and a, and a love that comes with that and a responsibility. Definitely. And if you get angry at the work or with the work to push it onto other people and whatever success or failure means to you and you start and it's, and it's not what you're wanting and you start to really push it it's and, and hurt people and affect them and have impacts on them that is it's really undesirable. Yeah, you gotta sort that out. Like yeah. go and sit in a quiet room with a couple of Swiss balls. Yeah, that's a good choice. Yeah. And throw them at each other. Like <laughs> myself and an actor once <laughs> ran from one side of a studio with two massive big Swiss balls. Right. <laughs> I said, oh, let, well, let's see. And we were, we were rehearsing a show, right? And it was getting really intense. And, and I said, let's see what happens when we, <laughs> we run from one side of the room to the other side of the room with them on our bellies, right? I like it. Yeah. So we did that. And the Swiss balls, like, hit each other. <laughs> and what we didn't realise is that we then rebounded to, Ooh. yeah, like, with the power of the Swiss balls, we rebounded back to the studio walls because the impact was so great and it was so bouncy and we both landed on our backs, on our butts. But it diffused the tension. <laughs> That's great. I know, but what really astounds me while I'm sitting here and talking to you about mm. it is we didn't actually even think it through. Here we are in a process, you know, making this work. Yeah. But the one thing we don't think about is our actual safety. We're running towards each other, full pelt with a Swiss ball <laughs> in the front, that it could even cause any damage. We just said, yeah, let's do that. It's a great idea. <laughs> Actually, that probably could kill you. <laughs> probably. And yeah. you weren't even drunk. You no. were just doing it. No, it we was just like wild it. idea. Just doing it. It sounded like it, it was like we were at Woolies and went, why don't we do that idea? Yeah, we do that. It's on the shelf. We just take it. Just have a go. Just have a go. I mean, you survived. It's all right. Yeah. It worked. But you're making a really great point, and I just want to thank you for that, about the aggression in the work and, and the aggression with work at other people. I think that... And that is borderline, it's got some narcissistic flavour to it. And I think we yeah. just really need to be very mindful of it. Definitely. And it's okay, like, you can get caught up in your work, but you've got to, like, try and have, like, an awareness to step back and go, like, I feel so angsty. Like, it's happened with me when I've been trying to do too many things at once and I feel really mm -hmm. angsty. And I've caught myself. I'm like, why am I, why am I so angsty? Okay, when I'm putting into that, that's not what that needs. Just... Do you know what I probably need? Just go for a walk and just watch a bit of Netflix. Just chill out. <laughs> Start again. Reset button. What do you, you watch on Netflix cranky. when you get really angsty and angry? What do you watch? Oh, you know, it changes. It changes. <laughs> Sometimes It depends on how angsty. Sometimes I might need to watch a documentary. Be like, yeah, that's what I'm mad about. Like, just put it on something else. I'm like, yeah, you should stop using straws. You know, like something like that. Like, just something, just something else. Do you point at the TV? Do you? Because you just pointed there. Do you just point? That. Yeah. Um, 
No, I think I'm a bit more ethnic. I'm doing this. Like, I'm <laughs> just, ah. ah, what are you doing? Yeah, raising hand towards. Raising yeah. hand. Um, whole, whole palm. Whole like, palm. That was a whole palm gesture. That's what it is. There was like a slap in the face That's gesture. That's what we do. Yeah. No, it's important. It's passion. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but it's either that or sometimes just, I don't know, just comedy. Do you know what? I actually really like fantasy and sci-fi. Not sci-fi yeah. like as in like heaps of aliens and stuff, but like fantasy sci-fi. I just want to be taken away in a magical world that I don't know anything about it. I don't have to think about it. Just take me away. Mm. I'm into that. Yeah. I want to send out. What do you watch? Yeah, you just, I've just watched. Oh, I can't remember what it is. It's There's a couple of really magical, magical real. it's actually not magical realism. It's fantastic realism. So the definition oh. of fantastic realism is when you have, like, so magical realism, which is my, I love that stuff, like I put it in my work, is when you have a superman, supernatural manifestation of something but it's not quite, it's not a ghost, Ooh. but it, it's magical. I like so it. So it alludes to, so it might be a voice from above. Ooh. Not necessarily gone, <laughs> but a voice from above. <laughs> right? yeah. Or, you know, somebody has some sort of special power or something. But fantastic realism is when the beings actually manifest. So they're like, like supernatural, full on. I'm in there, pull out my sword and it's like a oh, yeah. gem from some planet. But it's not quite sci-fi. That you know, that's what it is. I'm not into the like full sci-fi, but yeah, that, that, whatever that is. I don't know all the terms for them. That yeah. it's that one. Yeah. That's what I'm into. Like I'm not judgmental or anything, but sci-fi is just no. Nah. Because nah. yeah. aliens are real. Like don't make that up. Don't make it up. <laughs> don't make it up. I've seen heaps of them. I've, yeah, absolutely. And they're all brown. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> They're all what? barley belly brown. <laughs> I bet you they are. Probably. It's great. It's a really, I know what you mean, like it's escapism, but yeah. shall I tell you what I watch? You can say. I know. <laughs> I now realised where we are. <laughs> Sometimes I watch reality television. <gasps> like okay. The, the bad stuff. Okay, what kind of bad? There's one in particular I watch. What do you watch? Oh, 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 he's gonna confess first. (laughs) You, because he started it. There's high art, there's medium art, and then there's low art. (laughs) Uh, Okay, I'm gonna say two. Mm -hmm. Recently, I watched Maths, married at first sight, but only the bits where I knew there would be drama triangles and trauma bonds and all sorts of scary stuff like that, which is so fantastic. So delicious. Yep. And I. I watched a little bit of the one where they're not allowed to <laughs> they're not allowed to have sex with each other. What? <laughs> that doesn't happen on any reality show. <laughs> but they don't get told. I, I think oh. it's called Are You the One or something like that. Oh, okay. Basically the storyline is they all go to this island. Yeah. And they're not told on the first night that they're not allowed to have sex with each other. So then they all just have sex with each other and then Pretty much. Got in trouble. Yeah. So they, they Apply them full of alcohol and they give them a little bit of stimulus. There's oh. some disco in it. Well, not, it's not called disco anymore. So <laughs> they get told the day after that if they do it again, that they're all given a, a $100,000 or something as a group. And anybody who then has any sexual encounters with anyone else loses money. So the money belongs to the group. But if they have any more, I know it's great. Isn't That's it? so weird. Yeah. Very weird. Very weird. And a little addictive. I watched an entire series through and I'm 
so excited to say that out loud. I feel like I'm purging a demon. No, come on, do it. Yeah, it's do all, it. And it's brown. It's so brown. Um, yeah, and so whenever anybody goes and does something, yeah, and they're all performing this stuff, right? They're all working off the cameras and they're all like oh, yeah. having this great time. And Playing it up. Like, yeah. yeah, totally. But then there's moments of human fragility and moments of human vulnerability when they just do stuff that you cannot script. Yeah. So they'll like get carried away and have some sort of sexual encounter and then watching the devastation afterwards because they realise that they're losing money. Mm. Like that's such a weird moral, ethical kind of thing to be in. But it's it's like the materialistic capitalist society we're living in but banging up against these old school morals and ethics but also about freedom and, and the current generations and being able to be liberated and exploring and i'm like wow that's a collision that is greatness but it's only like little pockets of it yeah the rest of it's just fluff yeah yeah the rest yeah the rest (laughs) of it's booze steaks gossip yeah and um suntan oil that's what they do yeah yeah and hair hair extensions and abs oh yeah abs yeah washboards Washboards. I like that though. Like I, because I watched all of Maps this year. All of it. All of it. I watched it. I loved it. I was obsessed with it, and I'm not ashamed. No, and you were so much like you, you're glowing. <laughs> like, did Do you know what though? It's really funny. You got heaps of stuff this, out of that. Yeah, I did. No, but do you know what? it's funny because it's like um, I suppose like this is one of the celebatoid elements. Yeah, and I just want to say to Chris Rojek, if you're listening. Like, I hope I said that right because it is celebrity and tabloid put together. Hell, yeah. That makes heaps of sense. Yeah. But, like, the interesting thing is because it's like I watched it but I had this discussion with a friend of mine about watching Maps because I was like I feel bad about watching it, like watching some of the things in the way that these experts are putting people together for love. And I'm like they weren't. They were put together, you know, to create angst and to exhibit human emotions. But the thing is is, like, it was also showing things that people don't talk about in relationships. Mm. And that's what I found really interesting. It was like, you know, they had people gaslighting on the screen Mm. and then them verbalising it and calling it out. Mm. And I was like, so, yes, it's terrible, but there's, like, this undercurrent of, like, hopefully it's motivating conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Or I'm just trying to find a positive reason for me watching it. No, 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 no. Because in in that, if we look at that theoretically, like, and for me to put the lens of the celebrity, the show on it. Yes. We're we're looking at celebrities. Absolutely. And we're, we're looking at celebrities who've been made... Not they're not like anything other than a formula. Yep. So they've got these people, and they're very the experts, psychologists and relationship experts are very very clever in working with the producers and the directors and so forth to be able to bring those people together. That's extremely clever. Very. Yeah. And then feed them the right stimulus, which actually makes them actors. Like in the loosest sense of the term. Right. Yeah, because there's like a spectrum. In my research work, there's a spectrum. I found a spectrum, and it's talked about, of acting. So there's the performance of the self, so performance of your mm. own identity. Okay. And then there's lots of different variations to personality acting. So when you see those actors who are really good at performing particular kinds of characters, but they don't go out of that. Yes. So they might be able to go out of that, but they never really do. They've yeah. got this little niche, or they're just not they just don't have the capabilities to actually expand their range. Mm -hmm. So they play parts of their personality. And then you've got these amazing transformative actors who you go, wow, and like Joaquin Phoenix and Joker. 
yes. who uses his natural physicality to be able to bring this life to this other character and he transforms fully psychologically. And oh. you go, oh, oh. wow. Um, Francis McDormand and, and, oh, and, you know, so you got those guys up that end. And then you've got, so the reality, the maths people, they're kind of sitting at the bottom end of the spectrum there, yeah. but they're being fed these scripts and they're playing and they're literally improvising off these scripts and then you get to see all of these kinds of human responses come out yeah. and then you add alcohol, yep, right, and you add all sorts of foods to that and then you put them in confined spaces together and then it's <laughs> like, whoa, you could not write that. But then I know... Just through lived professional experience, that they get fed particular stimulus, yes, to be able to say, you need, could you say that, and could you say this, so that they can sort of create the cohesive storylines that's going to be entertaining exactly. to the masses. Yeah, and yeah. we watch it and we go, yeah, that was awesome. That's the best. It's but um, it's, it's and it's the thing with Harrison mm. is a beautiful example of narcissism. He is narcissist incarnate. It was so great. There's a lady called Dr. Romani, and she is one of the most entertaining but highly informed experts on narcissism at the moment. And her, it's all of the stuff that she talks about and says. And like one of the major things she says never approach a narcissism and tell them that they're narcissistic. Yep. And I go, okay. Why is that? Okay, I get why that is. Because there's lots of, I've had some narcissists in life. And I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. You have too. Yep. And then we see it with somebody like Harrison. And you, they're telling him, you're a narcissist. And he's like, I'm not a narcissist. What, you know, what, and, you know, I don't know where you're getting that from. Then he gaslights them, right? Yeah. And you're going, Dr. Romani's right. You don't address the narcissist. And I'm like, I'm, I'm so grateful and appreciative that that's actually been shown on Australian television, yeah. on television. Like, yeah. So it's not just a theoretical doctor saying this stuff. It's actually there for you on day-to-day accessible television. Yep, that's, that's it. What Free it to air like. TV, you can <laughs> understand humankind. I suppose, yeah, it's one of those things like with narcissists not telling them. It's like you shouldn't wake someone up who's sleepwalking. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that's a great yeah. metaphor. Yeah. Wow. I would like to go back to the thing that you mentioned. So obviously because your work has revolved around identity. Mm, Yes. And I would like to hear more about like, because obviously um, in the world of like acting, it is about that layering. Yes. But I don't think that it's talked about enough is like you can't really layer until you have like a strong foundation. Like, you know, if you want to do paper mache, you got to have – you yeah. don't have the frame. Yeah, you gotta be, get the chicken wire. Gotta out, get don't the you? chicken wire. What's your chicken wire doing, man? <laughs> That's the best. I'm gonna borrow this. Go right? for I it. Totally yeah. cite you as being like Hell this. Yeah, one. go for it. Because it's like you know, building a carrier, you've got to have the chicken chicken wire. Yeah, it doesn't make paper mache. Well, see, the thing because is, also the safety. That's that's the yeah. other thing you touched on. Because like yeah. obviously, if you if you're layering as well and you don't have that strong foundation, they kind of collapse in on each other, and then people lose that element of self, which you mentioned. Yeah, and the collapse, like particularly if you're working with a character who's quite removed yep. from from self, or and self is such a self is such an exploratory term in itself. And I'm doing research on that at the moment. I've been, I've literally, I'm learning all the time, right? I'm <laughs> absolutely learning all the time. 
and I've just been given some feedback about what is self, Susie? What is self? You know, look to that theory. What is it? And I'm going, okay, I'll, I'll just go right and I'll re- I'm writing an essay and I'm rewriting what that is. <laughs> so I'm just going to put that there. Cool. When, when an actor transforms or when they go into that, if there's no solid foundation and there's a collapse of the character, so the character has some sort of, you know, rupture within themselves in the in the creative process. So the character's being developed and there's, you know, an obstacle in the way and the actor needs to find out what that is and they need to figure it out, but the character might go off, you know, psychologically in a different direction. Away from the text and yep. away and they'll start to live and, and we hear horror stories about method acting. But there's yeah. also the addiction coming back to method acting. Go, I won't be a method actor because like I want to live the life of the character. And it's like that's not acting. That's actually you getting therapy from a narrative that doesn't yeah. belong to you that oh. you relate to. Okay. Yeah. Now I did just say that out loud. You did, and I'm so glad you did. <laughs> yeah. And pretending to be someone else is not is not the job. That's not the job, pretending to be someone else. That's that's pretending to be someone else, right? So if the character and you don't have a grasp or an anchor to the, 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 the being that is actually your own identity, whatever form that is, like that's not about just knowing ourselves completely because that's impossible. Like, oh, yeah. You know, like I woke up this morning and I, I, I had less cacao on my breakfast. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I don't know why I did that. Yeah. Who am I? And I'm like, okay. And I shredded coconut instead of chips. I'm like, oh, okay, that was cool. I quite like that. You know? <laughs> like I'm <laughs> – that's a very simplistic, very distilled thing. It's very – it's a good representation. Yeah, but yeah. I'm different every single day and every single moment. So it's about actually accepting that but also going, okay, this is a core essence of being and I know that about where – who I am so I can come back there. If there is no sense of that or a strong sense of that and you have a character who runs away or starts to kind of bring up a life of their own and starts to live, you can't get back and something terrible happens. And I speak to that through research in psychology and acting where it's actually now been proven that when an actor starts to transform, and Michael Chekhov says this, the moment that we start to read or even think about a character the actor will start transforming. They'll actually start transforming. And I'm like, yeah, I can feel that. That's, yeah, that that's the thing. Thanks, Michael. <laughs> and in psychology and acting, recent studies, so this has become a thing. It's a very small field. Mm-hmm. There's proven, it, or there's evidence that the actor changes. So what Michael Chekhov said back in the 1960s. And stays changed after the show. So they'll start changing psychologically and then physically, you know, if they really go into that character sort of stuff, and it doesn't matter what stage, so a lot of the research was done with students and professional actors. Yeah. So there's different sort of stages that they've touched in on in these particular studies. And sometimes that change affects the actor so much that they can black out, and I can attest to that. Well, I've actually bought clothes. <laughs> it was clothes in particular. I'm a very costume person. As I love in terms that. Of, yeah. So the moment that a uh, character is ready, I'll I'll go. Okay, I can put that clothes those clothes on now in the shoes if they've got shoes, and I'm 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 all right. Like I'm I'm gonna take a back seat for a bit, and I'm gonna leave. Right. I love it. 
But there's, there's one study, Dr. Mark Setton, who's an amazing Australian practitioner and he works a lot in wellness and actor training. He did a, an interview in, with a student who actually found themselves in a gutter, not really knowing what had happened to them. In And they were playing Blanche Dubois in Streetcar Named Desire. And they, they had no memory, really, of, of what had gone on. Whoa. And they were mucking around. I think there was um, that kind of, you know, that mentality when you're mucking around with your characters at drum school. And, you're, and she didn't realise what was going on. So... For myself, um, or speaking from that experience, I, I've woken up and looked in my cl- my closet and not known who owned the clothes. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't know how much they cost and th- they weren't designed, which is great. <laughs> I was like, but I, do, I did not, I don't, didn't wear those clothes. And I can still see today, like it was a glittery black three-quarter vest. Oh, a knitted vest, like knitted yes, glittery vest, yeah, and some tight pants, like okay, <laughs> okay. Did you so take out tap dancing? No, I was no. <laughs> Maybe I needed to. Uh, no, so you know, and there's been several times, like even recently, the character that I'm creating in Celebrity is, is swears a lot, like it swears, <clears throat> and I'm trying to. Clear my throat right now because the, the big C word came out. Oh, the big C word, big and, C and I don't normally say that, but I've had a couple of tirades actually. With one with Emma Goff. Hey, I'm not going to go into details. <laughs> Emma Goff, the artistic director of the Melbourne Actors Guild. <laughs> not going to. But uh, I was in a class with a lady who's gorgeous, and she comes from a different generation to myself, maybe twenty years older than myself. Okay. And I found myself saying the big F word oh. at least oh, five times in two seconds. Oh, wow. How decadent. I know. I felt outrageous. <laughs> I felt a little brown. And I, t- <laughs> and I turned to her and I said, look, I'm, I just want to say I'm, I'm, a bit, I'm a bit aware that what I've just said to you have at least five F words in it. And she goes, oh, no, that's okay. And I said, no, it's not okay because that's not really me speaking here. And I know that there's a there's a there's a split argument about actors and characters, as in terms of characters don't exist, characters do exist. Mm. In in the experience and the research, there is a pocket, but it goes back to the spectrum that I'm talking about. Mm. So some actors don't experience that at all mm. because they 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 sit on this spectrum where. It's not a full it's, – it's, it's transformation, but it's not a full transformation. When you start to – when an actor really transforms, they actually rewire their entire brain yes. and they behave in ways that belong completely to another person. Crazy. And then – and what's so brilliant right now is that there's all this intimacy training being really honoured and respected and yes. de-rolling or I call it deactivating to be able to reverse that. And as much as possible, because there's there's only a certain amount that you can do when you're in process, when of you're course. in a show, yeah. <clears throat> so or in a film or whatever it is, and I think sometimes two films a little harder in that that respect. You know, like as as a theatre actor, you sustain that performance, and there's yeah. no cutting and cutting editing stuff. So it's it's hard graft. It's brilliant, but it's hard graft. Yeah. But in film, you know, you got to turn that character on and off like that constantly, and jump around. Yeah. 
So this transformational process, if there's nothing to really anchor it to, that's when things get dangerous. They're just unsafe. And also, in honouring the craft and the art form and the, the actual technical practice of acting, of that kind of acting, that kind of character, fully transformative acting, that character can never truly be realised unless it has the safety to be able to have the freedom to live. And this is what I believe Stanislavski, Konstantin Stanislavski was, was saying when he talked about experiencing and living the life of the human spirit, not living the role, mm. right? Not mm-hmm. living the role, but living the life of the human spirit in the role. So the role is the chicken wire. Yep. And the human spirit is what we add to it. Yep. And so if we don't have the chicken wire, the paper mache or the, the human spirit cannot actually manifest in its full form. Yeah. It does make a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. building a foundation and whatever that is, even if it's about saying I don't actually know myself, that's knowing the self. Like that's, that's awesome. Actually, and sometimes it's just as simple as that. Or coming in and saying, I actually feel like this right now. You go, okay, cool. We know how you feel. Let's work with that. Hmm. Let's not pretend. Let's not act over it. Let's not pretend it's not chicken wire and just go, okay, I could just paper mash my it because I don't need the chicken wire. No, your chicken wire is sad. Yeah, or you your chicken wire is depressed. Yeah. Or your chicken wire is angry or chicken wire is in love or your chicken wire just, you know, whatever. Yeah. We build on top of that and it'll be a different rendering of a character and might not fully manifest or whatever. But if we're not honest and really authentic mm-hmm. with where we're at, then, yeah, that's when we're asking for trouble. Or we're just not going to realise what it is that we're creating. Yeah, absolutely. You can kind of get away from you. You end up creating something else that you hadn't really intended and then you're almost surprised and sometimes ashamed of what you created. Yeah. You're like, who yeah. did that? Yeah, all those <laughs> moments and I see it so often like where the, the actor will come back and go, oh, I didn't give the performance. I, I, like I, I knew I could go further and I go, okay, yeah, cool. And I found in my PhD, right, there's this, this wall that we hit. Yeah. And it's a constant kind of feedback loop of, oh, I did this moment last night. I want to go there again. And yes. I went, mm, I don't want to do that. Because my PhD is very much about exploring these roles that we play and the role of the actor, the role of the actress, the role of the woman, the role, you know, all these identity yeah. stuff. But the role of the actor. And I went, okay, well, what happens if I actually go beyond, instead of saying, I hit this moment last night, I want to hit it again. Why don't I say to myself, so I did, I hit this moment last night. Why don't I see how far I could go past that tonight? Yeah. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) and allowing that to be the thing that's motivating me, not perfection or not hitting that mark again and replicating that feeling. So, not acting that feeling again or trying to, whatever it is, but seeing how far past that I could go. And I. It just gave me the liberation and the refreshment of what acting really can be. Absolutely, yeah. You know, like it's it's absolutely limitless. Definitely, because it's really interesting. It's like that that sense of you're wanting to take further the embodiment of the character as opposed to the playing out of the narrative that the character is supposed to be mm. living within, mm. which is really interesting. I love that because um, similarly in – 
in comedy. That's what mm-hmm. you can chase after that. You have an amazing gig with that one set and then you yeah. want to have that every single time, but you don't get that. That's to aim for that. You will turn yourself absolutely insane. Yeah. So, yeah. and like, I realized this very quickly, especially from like my acting training, I bring that in because it's like, well, I've got to realize that this audience is entirely different. They're, circumstances are different so their interpretation of what I'm saying what I'm doing is going to be entirely different yes so the only thing I can do is try and be the authentic like the reason why I wrote them the reason why I find Mm. it interesting and whatever comes of that like that's the best I can do yeah and then take that so it's like it's that authenticity but in that very moment which is key yeah as opposed to the story and saying the words because that's nothing (laughs) yeah it really like it's Stanislavski said that um, the audience don't come to see you say the words. No. They don't come to see you say the story. They come to see everything else that you're doing other than that. And I go, oh, yeah, that's kind of (laughs) cool. It's the same thing that you're communicating in comedy. Like we're not listening for the words. We're listening for the thoughts and the the. It's not even a joke, is it, really? Because I don't, I, I don't sit and go, oh, okay, I'm waiting for the joke. I'm waiting for the insight and I'm waiting for the, the thing that I didn't think about or I'm waiting for yeah. the, the moral <laughs> sort of statement that comes from left field and slaps me in the face. Exactly. Or for someone to say something you did think about yet you couldn't verbalise. <laughs> yeah. like, and that's what it is, which is the same as acting. It's yeah. stories in that yeah. same sense of like yeah. I can see me or I can see my best mate, I can see my partner. It's yeah. exactly the same thing. But none of it's got to do with the words. Like they're just like a little cherry on top. Yeah. A little key that happens with them. But it's like it's the idea. It's the emotion. It's the frustration. It's like any It's any of that. that and it's your feelings, the uniqueness. So Michael yeah. Chekhov talks about emotions being like these boxes mm-hmm. and inside the boxes. So we all have these common emotions, right? And I did some research on it and, of course, you know, your emotions go for anger, lust, greed. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And there's like, you know, someone says there's like six primary emotions and someone else says there's like eight primary emotions. I go, do you know what? Can we just split the diff? Like, <laughs> so, but Chekhov says once you open that emotion box, yeah. inside of feelings, and each feeling has a little box of its own, <gasps> but each box is wrapped like he doesn't say this, so I've added to it, right? I love it, yeah. Okay, so I'm just Artistic license. Each box is wrapped the way the individual wraps it. Yeah. And each feeling is in the box in the right shape that belongs to that person. So every time you unwrap a feeling, it belongs only to the person who's unwrapping it because they're the ones who've actually created it. And it's a gift. So when, like yourself as an artist, you're putting those feelings in, the unique feelings and you've wrapped them packaging and then you put them out through that emotion through that general sort of box that everyone can identify with and that's what makes you special that's beautiful yeah little snowflake emotions yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> and by the way just a story I mean, there's yeah there's snow in edinburgh right like yeah. it's not known for the weather it's, I've been there once, not for Fringe, and it was very windy and cold and I didn't see Loch Ness. Yeah, I mean, that's not Edinburgh, that's just Scotland. It's just a couple of tyres that some somebody threw in there. Like, I'm going to put this tyre in. Yeah, right, yeah, let's call it Loch Ness. Loch Ness. <laughs> yeah, it's a great idea. <laughs> what was I 
was talking about? Oh, oh yeah, snowing. snowing. Yeah. And I thought I was on tour, right? Bored. I was with a touring partner. It wasn't. It was. What? You know, it was. It was. I had rent money. That's all I'm going to say. And it was okay. fun for a while. I was playing a great character. But anyway, I thought, okay, I'm going to experience snow because I hate cold, right? Mm. So of course I'm going to move to Edinburgh. <laughs> so I, I get out of his van and I'd been swimming. So I used to swim really early in the morning on tour and <laughs> there's this massive pile of snow so I run towards this pile of snow right and I throw myself in expecting to have the sound this sound right I'll do that again no not that sound no. it was like right so like a crunchy icy, icy. you got icy snow it sucked I'm never doing it again. Yeah, do you know why? It's because it's like they've got like rain and snow, like because the temperature kind of drops and peaks. Like it has this element where oh. it's it it melts <laughs> and then it freezes and then it just becomes like crackable. And it's horrible. Like well, a, don't I, call I, it I snow, call it ice. It's uh, yeah, it's ice. I mean it fell as snow, maybe it was snow for a bit. Well, it's I uncomfortable. Just think that's false advertising. It is. Yeah, don't don't snow me when it's a like and don't and yeah, no like I, if I had you a gaslit me. You gaslit Edinburgh. You gaslit, gaslit me. me. <laughs> you're off the list. Like I loved you. I loved you <laughs> like my first home ever. And you're you you are you are brown to me. <laughs> no, if I had ever seen a snowstorm, that sounds so beautiful. And when you actually said it, it was such a beautiful image when you talked about feelings as a snowflake. Mm. And yeah. I don't think I'm over that that snow story. No, I can see that. I'm going to move on. I can can relate. I went, I I snowboard and I was snowboarding on a hard mountain. It was just, it was very tall. And by the time I got up to this particular run and I thought, oh, this is going to be beautiful. It's going to be powder, which has that sound that you wanted. And it was ice, which means that you can't (laughs) dig into anything. So I was just like (laughs) the whole way down. And I'm really really stubborn yeah and then like stoic at the same time and then also then can throw that all away and then just get really bratty and (laughs) i went through all of those emotions and i'm like i'm gonna make it work i'm gonna and i go down then i ended up like ended up like moving my like my jacket scratch my hand on the ice and i'm like oh this is too much so i cracked the shits Took my snowboard off and then stormed down the mountain (laughs) through the ice like slipping i'm like nah i'm not So I relate to your annoyance. That's <laughs> fantastic. The image of, and the stages. Straight, <laughs> but I love, I love that you didn't give up, and I love that you told the story of your determination. Yeah, and the de- the desire for snowboarding. Like, I'm not going to let this. No, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. Um, yeah, I'm finished. I can see. I'm do it, but I'm done. Yeah. I did part of it. It was a disaster. And that sound. <laughs> it's a horrible – because also it scratches your board. So I was like, not only are you being annoying, you're putting scratches on my board, which costs lots of money. You're an offensive, offensive mountain. That mountain's done. Yeah. That mountain's – So brown. I want to talk about a couple more things. So you touched yes. on home before, just then and at the beginning. Mm-hmm. This idea of home. We yeah. have spoken – before we did the recording, we are talking about the fact – that you're in this like small space right now that mm. was fine because you were creating and you were studying and it was like a need to basis and now you've expanded out of that and you're looking for something else. I too have experienced this. And have you? yeah. And it reaches this point where you kind of 
And as artists, I feel like we do this a lot as well. You kind of go, well, I'm doing this for the art. I have to live like this. I will just make it work. But then I think that it flicks over into another point in time. And I always think it's very timely. You don't get these senses or feelings until it is actually time for you to move on. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought that was just going through the change of life. (laughs) Like, no. No. But it's like, you've got to think about the fact that it's like, you know, once you have like the more space, then you have the more space to create, Mm, you know, and like... Your 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 the, your live space is a reflection of your mind as well. So maybe it's just that there's like an expansiveness that's happening. And yeah, like of course sometimes you have to live in crappy places and do it for a bit, but you don't have to have the attitude of like, I'm just gonna do it. I this is me now. I have to I have to exist in this square box. I have to do it. You can all, you can still aim. It's like and the the aim and we've, we spoke about like the manifestation of your language mm. earlier as well. Like yeah. that aim is going to like offer you the availability to then find something else because it is really important. Like if you're not in a space that's creative or at least like open and air and light, it's the same thing as like a plant dying. You know oh I mean? no! And like and it's like this and it's like I did that. I was living in a place that was tiny. Tiny, tiny place in the middle of Melbourne City because I thought I could do it for a bit and be cool. Not a city girl, but I did it for a <laughs> yeah. bit, and then and then I had like no windows. What? No. Yeah, because it was like the inside apartment, but there's like this hectic apartment in the middle. It's like like all fancy, and I was like, oh, I'm dying. And then I had my friends gave me a plant. They were like, you're gonna be okay. This is gonna be great. You can do, yeah, have a plant. Make just bring some greenery in your, in your life. And the plant died, and I was like. That plant is me. <laughs> I was like, I couldn't get out. Wow. And then I did and I got out and like, you know, I had to do some other things for a bit like house sitting or whatever until I could do something else. But it was like, I was like, oh God, okay, I can just, I can breathe. I can do some writing. Okay. And in the meantime, I was just always at cafe. So it ended up costing me more money because I was just in cafes trying to have some space. <laughs> yeah. like, you know what I mean? The modern Off day CEO say, oh, just sitting in a cafe. Hey, I have so much love for you right now. Just, just, you know, do through that. <laughs> It's That's a, amazing. Yeah, I, I have do have a picture of you though in this in the coffee shop, kind of like as a residence. Did you ever? Did you ever go? I'm not. I don't have like. It's not about that. It's about that I'm doing a residence, and I've just invited myself to this Damn cafe. I should have done that. Why didn't I do that? You need to put it on your CV. It's got nothing to do with a personal life. It's the fact that I'm doing a residence in this cafe. That's right. That's what I'm doing. It's an immersive piece. Yeah. <laughs> There's a writer, like I used to be a caretaker in a community centre in Edinburgh and I told you about this before we were cleaning toilets, right, we were talking about jobs. And it was between two methadone clinics that was run by the church community and they were really cool, like there's some amazing characters there and amazing people, amazing thinking. And it turned into an Edinburgh fringe venue and David Grieg, the playwright, who wrote, oh, I can't remember what... Mind has gone, but you could Google him. He's amazing, beautiful storyteller. Uh, And Yellow Moon was one of his shows that, oh, read Yellow Moon. Anyway, (laughs) he would sit in this community centre, which was a cafe, and the ladies, the elders from the church, would bake scones, like proper scones. Whoa. We're not talking about your baker's delight here. We're not talking about that. No. We're not even talking about your mum's scones. We're talking about Nens scones, Nans like scones. Nana Scottish Nana scones. Oh my god, Scottish! They if would they be were, godly. Uh, they, that, they, Nana's the real celebrity. I swore I saw one of them wearing a kilt, like <gasps> the scone. 
night than <laughs> like it was so Scottish. It was amazing. And so he would sit and have scones and a cup of tea and write his plays. That's the best. Yeah. Well, see, that's important. I do that. I so do. I residence. do still. It's a residence. You did a residence. I still do. <laughs> yeah. Because also sometimes I know my psychology and I know I get bratty if I'm in one place, so I have to go yeah. and do something else for a bit. Yeah. I've also cafeed hopped because I didn't want to buy their food, but I like their coffees and I'll just like, da, da, da. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And that, interesting. Yeah, but it's also like honouring yourself too. So creative energy isn't about settling. It's never. Correct. It's just not. Exactly. You know that. Yeah. yeah. It, and if we settle, what happens is it goes... And it rises up like some sci-fi film we don't want to watch, right? Exactly. And all the aliens are brown and they're like, <laughs> from the inside. And everyone from the outside who's not creative goes, are you okay? And you want to say, no, I'm not. But because you've got a deadline and because you've got it's stuff to do, to do, do yeah. and you've taken up a residence in the cafe, you're yeah, like, yeah. Oh, I'm fine, I'm just working away. Just getting the done. Because you're putting up with something you don't want, yeah. right? And it can be just something as simple as, I don't like that muffin. But your coffee's really great. Exactly. You know, and, you know, whatever you want to say about us being particular or picky, would you feed an athlete, like, a bag of mixed lollies before... No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. Exactly. Thank you. Exactly. I'm all about that. I want to create the best circumstances for me to do good shit. Mm. Because also, if I do good shit, then I'm just a better human. And then everybody else is better, you know. How annoying is it to hang out with, like, someone who's, like, being annoyed all the time? It's just not. Yeah, because, like, when the, like, the, you know, the sci-fi brown alien is, like, festering inside <laughs> yeah. of you, eventually it takes <laughs> over your identity. It becomes <laughs> the chicken wire. Yeah. And then you're just, like, lashing out. Yeah. And then you're like, ah, oh, it's just because I really fucking hate that muffin. And yeah. you could have just gone to another cafe. Just relax. Every issue you've got is not that big. You've just got to look at it and go, okay, cool, this is how we're going to fix it. Yeah. And sometimes you just have to have patience to fix it. Yeah. Which I don't have patience. It's okay. I'm working on it constantly you do, and I you will do. be. I can pick you up on this, so I'm just going to do this, right? Okay, go on. If you didn't have any patience at all, yeah. you would not have your coffee in one cafe mm. and then move right. to have something to eat in another one because you don't like the food. Interesting. You've got to be patient because otherwise we live in a, a community, a culture, and pockets of communities, which is just all about convenience. So you just go, bang, I'm just going to have that. Do you really want to eat that? Or do you really want to put that in your body? Or do you really want to say that? Or do you really want to sit there? It's like, oh, I just can't be asked. Or I, I just need to, yeah, no, I'm just hungry, so I'm just going to eat that. Oh, but Is it going to feel good? Yeah. No? No, I just tried this new coffee recently. And okay. And I, I get, I have an, I, I don't drink alcohol. Okay. Anymore mm. because I love it so much. <laughs> it was the same thing with cigarettes. I used to smoke, and like I wasn't a pretend smoker. Like <laughs> I used to roll over, and the first thing out of bed, right? The first thing I do is soft pack Peter Stuyvesant's the wow. sm- the smokes of the artist. When oh, I was growing up. well, that's what <laughs> you know. That's what us, you know, acting school people used to call it. Yeah, and uh, I used to roll over and just put, stick a sticky moment, light it up, and off we go. Oh. But um, I don't – it's – what am I trying to say? I drank this coffee the other day knowing that I have this addictive sort of part of myself yeah, and managing that and going, yeah, it's cool, it's cool. And this stuff's called the OG and it's by – it's called Performance. And this lady in, in <laughs> a health food shop 
she goes, I said, oh, you know, the one thing that I'm not, I don't have sugar and, you know, I don't take alcohol and stuff like that because she was talking to me about those different kinds of foods. And, and I said, but I love caffeine. And I said, I would never not have caffeine. I love caffeine. She goes, come with me. And I went, mm. okay. And she goes, it's coffee. I said, I don't drink coffee. I drink tea. And she goes, no, no, no. You haven't drunk this coffee. And I went, I, well, I've drunk a lot of coffee. Like, <laughs> and in a couple of different countries and different times of my life. She goes, no, no, you haven't. And she was right. She was absolutely right. Is it coffee with MCT oils in it? Yes. Yeah, man. And it's got ginseng and turmeric yeah. in it. And I'm like, yeah. suck, and a little bit of stevia, but all in one packet. Like, I don't have to add anything to it. That's the best. Yeah. And what's not the best is that, A, it's highly addictive, B, it's $70 for 30 sachets. Would you like me to change your life? Uh, other than the Vittorio instant coffee that <laughs> I just bought because it tastes just as good without the MCT oil. Yes. <gasps> you can just buy MCT oil for like 20 bucks and you just put a, a tablespoon or two of it in there and blend it up and you're done with your coffee. You don't need to buy sachets. I did it for like six years straight every day. Yeah, okay, so I'll be doing it. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, the... How much does it just clear the fog? You just like have a seat. You're like, oh my god, I'm so cleansed. I'm ready to go. I actually, yeah. I and like I don't want to get caught up in the ego or anything, but like, I felt like I felt godly. (laughs) 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 I felt like I I felt like a gift had been bestowed on me because also I hadn't had coffee for so long, and I was drinking coffee and it was making me anxious. Yeah, and like so, I just go, no, I'm not doing that. And so I went through that. Oh, hit myself! I got so excited about that because I went through like a purging sort of thing and the headache and everything. Oh yes! And I was like, I was worried that I wouldn't be able to work as efficiently. And I'm like, oh, come on, man! This is like the hardcore addict sort of thing. That's so funny. I was like, yeah, but what happens if I can't create? <laughs> and yeah, so this is the first time in maybe five or six years I had some had coffee. coffee. And it was it was a totally different experience. But now you fit me. So I went and bought some Vittorio, like Arabica, 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 like d- coffee. Yeah, that yeah. stuff. The yeah. really the proper stuff. Proper stuff. Freeze dried. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I know that the percolated coffee makes me anxious. So I was like, very good. Oh, learning, learning, learning. Perfect. So now I'll go and put some MCT oil in it. Yeah, and then you just blend it up because it'll sit on the top. Get a little blender, blend it up. Okay. Done. Mm, yum. So good. You've just, you really have changed my life. I knew. <laughs> so good. I, knew I, I want to walk out of here right now and just go, I'll be back in a sec. <laughs> just got to pop to Woolies. I'm going to get it's myself. It's so good. I will send milk. you photos. I will send you photos of like what it is, what to do. I'm across it. Because the thing is, right, when we're doing this sort of stuff and, you know, to talk together with you about it, it's mm. really important to have, and we're talking about authenticity before. He's being really truthful to the stuff and going, okay, well, what are the small things that I really enjoy? Yeah. You know, and, and, and to me, in the examination of what home is, it is actually, not only is it a resonance and having more space, but it's actually these little things like a bit of MCT oil in the coffee, That's being cool. able to, to have a, a, a mug that is really it's ergonomic, fits in your hand. Absolutely. Yep. Being just quiet, like having silence. The beauty of that. Having people that you can turn to, not a whole bunch of friends, but just a couple of people you can just turn to and say, hey, I'm feeling this. And they go, okay, 
And you don't have to have a massive discussion about it. That's a home. That is home. To rock up to a doctor that you actually want to tell the truth to. Like, that's a big deal. That's a huge deal. Yeah. And they then go, okay, what do you want to do about it? Yes. And you go, excuse me. That feels like home. Yeah. You know, to have meditation or to have faith or to have whatever it is that makes sense to you or to, you know, being in the world so that you can actually sit back and and look at everything and not make a value judgment about it or not be resentful or not put through the lens, I don't have this or I don't have that. So not looking through a lens of restriction and what's the word? This is why I want super vocabulary. Deprivation. But looking from a lens of prosperity and abundance so you can see the whole story and go, okay, well, what do I need to talk with people about? What do I want to – so picking out celebrity and going, okay, well, what is it about celebrity? Oh, the fact that we're actually all worshipping it? Or what is it about acting? Or what is it about stand-up? Or what is – what's the joke I need to make about that? Like yeah. to actually really be able to see all of the possibilities or as much as possible so that when you actually do say something, it's of value. And it's not just of value to the audience, but it's of value to yourself. And you create this wonderful moment all together. And it could be just something as simple that facilitates that as having the right coffee that day. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? and, and having that Absolutely. as knowing that time. It's, that's it. And I have written about this before in the oh, sense cool. of like um, – because it's like if you don't always have like the stability of a home or, you know, like your own space, maybe you're like in a share house or, you know, like whatever the circumstances are, like you have to find the sense of home in the self. And like I did that because I was like a solo traveler for like a long time, like just around the world. And it's like, yeah. obviously sometimes you're just like, oh, a bit lonely. Yeah. You know, <laughs> just, oh, all right, well, what am I doing? I need, ho- I need some sense of like home. And so what I would do is like I had particular things that like people I cared about gave to me that as soon as I put them in the space, that was home. Mm. And it's like, you know, it's the same thing as like sports stars having like their little lucky thing or, you know, like an actor having like the particular prop or, you know, stand up wearing the particular shoes. It's just like that little thing that makes you go, okay, this is me. It's like that reminder, like this is me, this is me, we're okay. Yeah. The little safety mechanism. But either way, it's so important to still have also like just that. Like, find what is home to you. Because I didn't like calling anything home for a long time. And then I was like, oh, well, I am home. So, yeah, doing the thing. Yeah, how did you get out of that? Because that is that is a thing and we discover that the home is the self. Mm. But then where did, how did you then manifest? Figuring that out? Yeah. Like, really? Like, actually going, oh, well, this is this – because is for me, I've travelled and followed work and been on tour and – you know, lived in these little tiny places. I squatted in warehouses. You know, it was great. <laughs> you know, and being evicted and all sorts of stuff. You know, for my and not for my art, but because I was doing my art and I didn't have time it's to do the time. I can't fill out rental applications. Yeah, no, go on. It's yeah. like, and I don't have a rental history because I've been <laughs> on somebody's living in someone's room. You know, I've lived with lots of different artists of different. Yeah, you know, and it's been fantastic. But it's like you you make that step to go. I'm I'm going to land now. I'm actually going to land. And you go, well, how, do you, how, do you, how, do you, how do you land? And it sounds like you've landed, like you just go, yes, I've landed. But you're still maintaining all of the adventure 
Like, oh yeah, yeah. That's one more. I am a gypsy. Like, you're an adventurer. Oh totally. <laughs> I am an absolute gypsy. If I'm not moving, I can't stay still in any one space for too long because I start to like that brown monster comes up again. I'm like mm, I gotta, I gotta do something. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like the, <laughs> you're gonna do your an artwork at this. Point, <laughs> brown. Yeah, but it's like it's because I, like I I know <laughs> that about myself. I know mm, that okay. it's like like I'm an outward. I'm not an outward, like, I don't seek outward validation and, like, you, sometimes you get caught in it mm-hmm. you got to realise that. Mm-hmm. But I don't outwardly go to try and find something from someone else. I'm trying to – like, I've, I've always travelled trying to find out what it is about me and what I'm trying to – what I'm trying to say, what I'm what my purpose is. Like, I've always had this yeah, fixation okay. on, like, actual purpose. And so as I was travelling around, I wasn't travelling because of work. I was travelling because of me. I tried to travel because of work and then it didn't work. Like I, you know, when I went to Nepal, I went to go and film for charity. I was just like, cool, I'm just going to make films for charity. And then we had an earthquake and I was like, okay, well, wow. all, all the plans went wrong. Like just the whole, the whole thing. I was like, well, heaps of other stuff going on. So then from there, like I had to like keep changing. And like, I had this like moment when I was in like a cow shit hut in the middle of nowhere <laughs> like in India. Like actually made out of cow pig. Proper made yeah. out of cow shit. No one spoke <laughs> English. I'm with like the poorest <laughs> tribe. No one speaks a lick of English. Wow. I'm just there and it, like I was like, well, what do we do? And we, you know, coming from this society where we're like, go, 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 go. What are you doing now? What are you doing now? And I'm a person that's always got heaps on and I just had nothing. I'm like, I can't get anywhere. Like literally the the farest, like the furthest I can look is just like literally hate like bits of straw just like kind of gliding past. Wow. And there's some people with camels and we're all just in huts. And I was like, oh God. And I noticed this like disrupt in my, in my body. Like I felt it physically where I was like, must do something. And I was like, there's nothing for you to do. And I'm like, do something, be effective. And I was like, there's literally nothing for you to do. And I, as I noticed it happening, I sat there for like, it was probably like 20 minutes in reality where I was like, literally I could feel it. Like it was like a, like a, like a small rock that came up. Like you got to do something. <laughs> like a chest gallstone. Yeah, a chest gallstone. <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> That's what it was. And I was like, I can't, there's, there's nothing. Okay. And then I, and then I sat with that and then it was like, it was like releasing something. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, what do I do now? And then I just started to then just play with the world a little bit more and then seeking obviously you got to work and you got to do stuff but I also can't like doing the shit jobs are fine but it needs to be pushing towards like the greater purpose in some mm. way or at least supporting it properly supporting that and so when I was traveling I was seeking to find like my place in the world that first time and then the second time was I was going back to try and seek the confidence to create and remind myself that I'm creative because like I can't exist without doing it yeah and so from doing that it was like because it was like it was a lot of it was I was still working in that but I had like just quite a strong practice of what am I doing why am I here what's the purpose what am I giving what am I getting like what's the what's this like feedback exchange yeah yeah and then, like, that sense of home, because of, like, having to live in so many different places and, like, I didn't have a lot of money when I was doing any of this, so you have to kind of make do with what's available to you. I'm like, well, I've got to find a way to make it comfortable. Otherwise, the whole reason why I'm here just goes down the gurgler. And then – so then I will just kind of just try and find a way to just be like – of course, like, there's still heaps of moments where that gets sort of hazy because, you know, some, something else might happen, um, like not having somewhere else to go. And then you're like, what do I do? 
Mm-hmm. And then there's like, but that's other elements where it's like safety and stuff is coming into it. So that's why like having a physical space is important, but the sense of home is just you. Yeah. I think if, yeah, if if I didn't have me and a really strong understanding, not me as in owning myself, but the, an actual understanding and a connection to being, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'd be here. Yeah. I reckon I probably would have disappeared in whatever way that manifests, but I would have disappeared. Yeah, because it's one of these things where you've got to allow yourself to just be human. Yeah, but that's weird, isn't it? It's so weird to be human. (laughs) What do you mean you had feelings? What do you mean you got annoyed and then you talked about it? Oh, my God, we don't get annoyed. Don't talk about it. Yeah, don't talk about it. Why are you talking about your parents? Just be positive. Just be positive. See the silver lining. So sometimes it's just a bit shit and that's okay. (laughs) That's all right. And then you can just get on with it from there. Just don't deny it. It was a bottles up and then again the brown monster. There's a theme. Comes out. And being positive about stuff when actually it really is quite not fun. I'm not having fun. Yeah. Like to, to, to say those words, like I remember saying that recently, I'm not having fun. Yep. And it was stuff that I'm working through, finding home, right, and actually landing. I go, I'm not having fun with this. Like I'm actually not having fun. I just want to go to the studio. I just want to go make something or I'm going to create something or I'm going to re- read something or whatever. And I was like, because I'm not having fun. But this isn't fun either. So I'm not having fun with that. And it was confronting. It was confronting yeah. for the person who was listening. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not interested. I'm not going to be positive anymore about that. I'm just, I just, that's how I am. Yep. And it got past this, this kind of social pleasantry mm-hmm. of how are you? Or you're, mm. you're, or, uh, uh, you're not your usual happy self. And I go... No, I'm not. I'm kind of a little bit serial killer. <laughs> Just a little bit. And, you know, knowing that that's, that's not the standard thing to say. Yeah. But does it make it feel better? Yeah, it does. Because yeah. then it passes. But also, in terms of artistry, it's absolutely crucial to acknowledge what's going on in the present moment. Oh, yeah, you have to must you must because otherwise you will bottle it up and make crap work or you'll put it into your work and everyone's like ah or it's going to be that angry aggressive stuff that exactly before exactly mm. yeah you're gonna feel and do you want know it's 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 great that you mentioned saying it to someone because mm. like you know like there's the whole concept of like are you okay day like every day should be are you okay day oh, dude somebody said to me text me and i hadn't heard them from them for a really long time right yeah. and and <laughs> They sent me a message saying, are you okay? On are you okay date. Now, look, big heart, understand, but, like, let's look at, let's look at that. Yeah. Like, don't give me the courtesy of asking because it's a day that you're meant to. So don't perform it to me because I'm going to be the person who goes, that's a performance. <laughs> I don't want to pay to see that. <laughs> and I certainly didn't ask to go to the theatre or watch that film. So, or television series. So if you want to know if I'm okay, make it every day. Or if you get a vibe about someone, like I sent somebody a text message yesterday because they popped into my head in a very glamorous way. I hadn't spoken to them for a bit. They're in Sydney somewhere else and I just went, hey, you just popped into my head. 
glitter, glitter. <laughs> yeah, glitter. So, you know, it's and it's not wanting to be prescriptive or directive to what should and shouldn't be or mm. how sh- people should behave, but there's actually a logic behind it because like, people aren't okay on a particular day. Like, no. It's like you, you it's a it's a constant we're humans, you know. So having a day when you ask everybody if they're okay, no, everybody's not going to have an okay day on that day. No, because they're like, oh, you know what? Actually, this is how I really feel. Yeah, or going, hey, I've got to go to Woolies. I've got to get some milk. I've got to get some protein. I've got to get some veggies. I've got to get some spinach. And they've got to get a couple of creative ideas. And I'm also going to put into the diary that it's a not okay day today, so I'm going to be not okay. Or I'm going to be okay day. Is it, is it okay day on the 25th? Okay, because I'm going to put that in the diary. I'm going to make sure. I'm going to buy myself something just to remind myself. Like, it's not, we're not like that. No. I mean, like, I hope that the intention was actually to get people to start talking it, around it, it. But it just, it just sort of ha- hasn't happened. But, you know, like, we, we have to do that. Like, I've started actively doing that with people. I'm like, so I don't know. This okay. is how I literally, like, because I don't really share my feelings often. But like now I'm starting to do it more. But not mm. like in a way of like, oh, please have this. I'm like, I don't know. Just do a little bit of this and this and this. <laughs> kind of annoying. How are you? What's going on? Oh, that's great. No, that's good. I've got this that's good going on. Just being a bit more literally what's happening. Not to obviously when I'm at work and I'm meeting a client and stuff, they don't really know that. That is still just the general. Like, I, hey, how are you? If they're not okay, that's my job to take care of it. But they don't need to know about my okayness. That's exactly right. Yeah. And I think but there's like, a fine line. There's a fine it? line. Yeah, but in general, we just need to look out for each other a bit more. And I think it would be really much better if it was phrased, like, and I didn't watch a lot of the Are You OK campaigns because I was like, don't give me another thing like Red Nose Day. Make it all about that stuff, like, all the time, Mm. all the time. Constantly. And maybe I missed the education around it because that sounds like a much better idea. And in professional context, I know what you mean. But, you know, again, coming into, like, say, a rehearsal room or something, there was... Still this misnomer that being an actor, being creative, means you, you bring in all your stuff. It's like, ah, actually, no. or you shut it out. No, you can't do yeah. that either. No, it knocks. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't. Excuse me. I will not be locked out. Oh, hello. Hello. <laughs> Exactly. If you don't let me in, <laughs> I'm going to keep doing this. Exactly. Yeah, truly, mm. truly. On that note, what um, quickly a few things. Yes. Shit jobs. Tell me some of your shit jobs <laughs> that you had. So the shit jobs, the jobs that you had to do that <laughs> you just did to get to where you want to be. What have you had to do? So I talked about a community centre before. Yeah. And the community centre was between two methadone clinics. Yes. And I don't know how many, and, and I love, I'm going to say I love all kinds of people. Like I love the stories that get brought to me and I'm f- privileged and blessed to be able to to receive them. But when it comes to, and I just have to draw a hard line, for, and I have to draw a hard line for okay. myself when I'm saying this. When I go to clean, because I was a caretaker okay. in the stretch, and so the, the people in charge of church, gorgeous, amazing, creative people, person running the church, the actual community centre, was a production manager, stage manager, or ex. So she was then in charge. And her husband, which is an actor friend of mine, actually was working there and said, do you, do you want to come and see if you 
could have a job because we could all go and do auditions and stuff and come back and work in this community centre, great. which then turned into a fringe venue. So it was all great. The chef in the kitchen, who's an amazing actor, just a gorgeous human as well, well-known Scottish actor, in and out of jobs and stuff like that. All right, yeah. And then basically my job was to paint rooms, move furniture and clean toilets and vacuum and I then became a licensee. So I became the person who was in charge of all of the alcohol. Oh, <laughs> Now I don't good. even drink. Yep. <laughs> all of the alcohol and the, the, the policing of it and that sort of stuff. If the methadone clinics could come and use it, like anybody could come into the community centre and use the toilets. Now, when somebody's on methadone who's got a heroin addiction, it reacts with the system in such a way that it actually creates constipation. Oh. Yeah, which is really painful for those dudes because not only are they actually de- detoxifying from the addiction, but they're then putting another substance into their body and it's full of sugar and stuff uh, and, you know, it rots teeth and it causes a, quite a bit of pain, uh, but it's less than heroin. So they're going through all this sort of stuff. But cleaning the toilet after somebody who's on methadone has been in there and managed to actually squeeze one out oh. can result in blocked toilets. Jeez. And I once... Not only did I start work at like five and, and you know, I'm doing vocal exercises while I'm <laughs> up moving furniture for like AA and Weight Watchers and whatever else, yeah. you know, I go to the toilet and in the toilet is is like is a big brown alien. Ah, uh, right? big brown alien, chicken wire. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest brown alien, but it's like a wooden handle. Oh, what the hell? <laughs> Jesus, so, that's such an image. I, yeah, exactly. And I didn't realise that methadone had that effect on people because I had, I had trauma. Like I had like a minor <laughs> setback of PTSD and I don't take that lightly. And I was like, I'm going to have like therapy with my boss about it. And I'm going, I'm seeing all these images. It took me 35 minutes around about that time to actually plunge the toilet to actually push it down as far as I possibly could to oh get it to God. a point where I could flush it. Now, uh, that's probably the worst that I've had in cleaning up vomit. That's a That's really bad. Proper shit job. Literally, yeah. And I've done, <laughs> I've done credit card collection. <laughs> oh, I've done credit that's so card crushing. collections. Yeah, but I thought I was being really cool. Like, I thought I was being... Not only in this particular call, I did a lot of calls and I have customer service work in and out of gigs and stuff. And <laughs> I thought it was being really cool being articulate on the head mic. What <laughs> I got disciplined for being too loud in the oh. call center because I was being, art- I was practicing. <laughs> like, but I also kind of had a bit of a the way I'd get through the day was pretending that the head mic. <laughs> Was like 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 Madonna or something, <laughs> so, or I was doing a voiceover. And I actually for for one of the collection centres, the mm. customer service collection centres, credit cards. Mm. I actually did their voiceover loops right for them. That's right. But I would pretend that I was like, you know, good afternoon. My name's Susie. I'm calling from blah blah. Oh wow! But I do it really articulate and kind of you know judge myself and stuff. Yeah. Anyway, I thought I was being of service. When I'd, when I'd say to people, look, I know it's difficult. I've had credit card issues myself. We don't really understand that the money's not real. 
and we've got to pay it back. So we go and buy all this sort of stuff. So when can you pay me back? When can you pay us back? When can you, like, I'll work out a payment plan with you. doesn't matter what it is because I've got the power to, to actually change the amounts. But if you default once, you're oh. gone, buddy, you're gone. And they go, oh, thank you so much. And there'll be tears <laughs> and everything. Do you know how many people paid, even though I did that? Really? Very, very little. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. And that was, yeah, that was a, I never want to do that again. People no. are using money. And that brought up stuff for me, like about money. And, you know, working as an actor and then actually working in a call centre, mm. being an actor, mm. is kind of like, it can hurt. It yeah. can actually, <laughs> as you know, it can hurt. So that was another job, and I worked for Greenpeace. I worked in I worked in Darling Harbour in a t-shirt shop. Stood on this counter. I thought I was like the bees knees, right? Because it's like tourists and it's Darling Harbour, <laughs> and I stood on the glass counter to put a hook up to do something. And I was hmm. shutting up the shop late at night, and the glass counter smashed. Oh no! Yeah, so I resigned after that. I worked in a very famous call centre in amongst actors where lots of actors work and they sell wine. So I'm not going to mention the name. <laughs> sell lots of wines. So there's a lot of people coming and going from shows and from the and we would always get a case of wine every month once you were there for a certain period of time. Oh, yeah, that's very good. Yeah. That's a good bonus. Yeah, but drinking was like part of the culture. and Of course. I got my you bronze. Oh, well, yeah, but they, they yeah. It's part of the job to actually drink some of the wine. So there's not many non-drinkers in there. But they bring out wine every, you know, afternoon, particularly a lot on Friday afternoons and stuff. Mm. But, you know, I, I I don't prescribe this as a generalised opinion. Just a little bit of feedback. It's, it's, it's probably not healthy to put boxes of wine in a call centre with a lot of out-of-work musicians, actors and writers who really like drinking. It's just... Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no regulation on yeah. <laughs> to make So if you ever received a phone call from someone going, hello, it's blah, 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 wine coming, I just called to say... Ah. <laughs> and you bought something, good on you. However. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, That's great. I think the caretaker job, that was probably the... That was the worst one. Yeah. But I've done some theatre jobs that have been pretty bad. Like as in really substandard sort of stuff. But that was also before the Enterprise Agreement, which the wonderful Media Arts Alliance Mm. and Entertainment Mm. came up with, so back in the 90s, sort of early 2000s. Thank God for that. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I think... And I can rival it because I had a bit of a competition with a fellow actor friend who also, amazing guy. I said, oh, what's the worst job you've ever done? And he goes, because I was having a, I was working behind a bar. So I've worked behind countless theatre bars. Great. And front of house and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> he said, what's the worst job you've ever done? And he said, shoveling tongues. And I thought, uh, I thought it was like an artistic thing. Like I was like, what? he worked in an avatar. And oh, he goes, you want to know the worst of it? And I went, yeah, does it get worse? And he goes, yeah, I'm a vegan. Oh, oh, no. And I went, wow, dude. And I said, I had so much love for him. We're still friends. I still have love. Like, but he'd come to me and share some stuff that he'd done. You know, he was a real adventurer. And he once went out, went out dancing completely straight because he doesn't drink or, you know, indulge in any way. Mm. 12 hours. 
started dancing for and he came to work the next day, jumps in, he's like, uh, he was still kind of dancing in this theatre foyer and I kind of thought I was seeing some sort of apparition, you know. I'm like, you've been up for how many hours? And he goes, yeah, I've been dancing for 12. And I said, are you off your face? <laughs> and he was like, no, nah, just life. And I was like, wow, that's a possibility of what could be. And I reckon that was part of an inspiration for me to, to see what else there is rather than, you know, because there is that that kind of acceptance that if you're an artist or a creative mm. that you drink or that mm. you take, you know, you alter yourself in some way or you've got to find ways of diffusing. And it's not necessarily true. I think that was one of the first moments I went, oh, that's pretty interesting. That's really? Yeah. Do you know what? It's, it's funny you mention that because it's, it's rife in a lot of industries, but oh, I, I only got... Not just arts, yeah. Yeah. But I, like, in my journey back to creativity, I've done it completely straight. Like, I barely ever drink anymore. I Like, I, I don't not ever drink, but I barely ever drink. And I never drink if I'm working. Yeah. Because I'm like, that's not real. It isn't, is it? It's not no. real. Yeah. So I'm like, I just do everything straight. But, it, like, you just see, there's a lot of people that they think they have to, like you mentioned earlier, it's like, if, you don't, if you're not doing that, can you create anymore? If you're not having the coffee, yeah. can you create anymore? You know, and then people can feel like, I know I felt like that when I was really sad a few years ago. I'm like, how will I yeah. write poetry if I'm happy? You know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, Isn't that amazing? Yeah, and it was just like a little pocket. You're like, you're fine because I write poetry. <laughs> yeah, it is yeah. quite, yeah, if you're not, it's it brings up that tortured artist thing, doesn't it? Totally, which you isn't know. real anymore. Tortured, starving artists, no, But it's also the tortured CEO, the tortured, yes. you know, it's like yes. you, you have to be really punished for what it is that you're, you're talented with capable of that's doing it. or what you want to do and it's like nah I mean that's, no, you don't that's a lie it's so interesting you couldn't write oh, if I'm not sad I won't be able to write poetry yeah that's what I said I said it to <laughs> someone they're like um and then I was like actually no I've said it out loud that's I mean I feel that's it amazing. but that's not real like <laughs> yeah but it's so great that you actually questioned that mm. you know because I'm sure there's always that point of choice that we come up against where yes. we go shall I go make myself sad <laughs> Which you can just do with a piece of music. Like you, can you can absolutely do it with a piece yeah. of music. Or, yeah. or social media, which is a big Or hot social topic media. For you. Yeah. You just look at you go, ah, I'm just going to look at an ex boyfriend or an ex girlfriend or an ex ex something. And I'm just going to feel really bad about it. Yeah. And you go, okay, cool, if that serves a purpose. No, not really. Not really. <laughs> also, you make heaps better stuff when you're happier. Well, just a piece. You don't even have to be super happy. You can just be neutral. Yeah, being at peace you know? is cool. Yeah, just peace and neutral. Just make Does that make us weird then? Like, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Because it doesn't seem like a being at peace. Like it's a it's something that is strived for. Mm. But is it something that's really committed to? Yeah. I don't know. That also, the definition of it can be different. Like you can find peace in any given moment. You can find peace in your annoyance. You can find peace in your anger. <laughs> you, can, you know. Like they don't teach you that in every gym yoga they class. They don't. They don't. Like, you don't need that. Just release it. I'm like, well, I need to hold on to it before I can release it. Otherwise, you know it falls through my fingers, doesn't it? <laughs> Onto my feet. And then walk around with, like, anger feet. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or I still giggle if somebody does a little fluff. In, in yoga. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't. I'm you 50. It. It's like, funny. I'm not going to stop laughing at that. Is yeah. that peace? I don't know. No, that's not peace, is it? If you're farting in a yoga class. Fart. Oh. <laughs> but I love what you just said, like the peace in the, the peace in the chaos and the peace in the hmm. in whatever it is that you're you're 
experiencing at that particular time, even if it is peace. Yeah. Like each of each and every, it's like the emotions that we talked about in their little box. Mm-hmm. Like the peace looks different. And also mm-hmm. none, none that peace isn't going to last forever. Like each, you know, emotion isn't going to last forever. And we only feel happy because it's the light to the dark. So sometimes you have to feel sad. Yeah. You feel sad so you know what it what feels like to feel happy. Yeah. So when have you been called weird? <laughs> and uh, yeah, I've thought about this a lot, which is why I, I like not only did I listen to the podcast as I said to you, and I really I love them, <laughs> and I love everything that's been brought into conversation. But the the word, the way that you use the word weird, and it really hit on some things for me. And I, and I, one of the recent things that I just shared with you, which I'll share out loud now, about being given that magnet, mm. and I, I I've been teaching some. Uh, younger actors and or younger people wanting to be actors and at the end of the course which was so gorgeous and blessed they gave a gift and then one of them came to me separately and gave me like a separate gift and I was like oh and I opened it up when I got back to in a private space and it was a magnet that said you're weird but I like it and I, you can see the look on my face right now. It, it just for those people listening, my face kind of looks like halfway between like a crinkled smile and a little bit of disgust. Yeah. yeah and disdain and kind of judgmental. Yeah. Bit, like hurt. Yeah. Um, and it's not the gift because that was beautiful or the gesture, but the, the, the words on it. Hmm. And not from the particular person, but the fact that that's a magnet. Mm. You could go buy that in a shop. Mm. I was like, and you're weird, but. Yes. So you're weird. And if you said you're weird, I'd go, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and unpacking that word weird, I mean, now when I sit with you, it's the coolest thing ever. Like it's it's supreme. It's like next to the word dag. Yeah. Next to the word uh, unique. Mm-hmm. You know, it's great. Love it. But it also couches, or and it also couches weird, where it's you're not accepted, mm-hmm. and you're not okay, and you're ugly, and all of the things that are socially isolating. So when I was growing up, I grew up in Narrabri in northwestern New South Wales, and it was a very very small community. And I say that because it's probably a big community, but very small minds, and I didn't mm. realize that until I left and I went to acting school for the first time and I changed my whole look and I went from brown, curly, brown, curly <laughs> hair that was permed. Oh. Permed. I had a perm. I really like perming solution. I'm just going to say that. Now, I've already said I'm addicted, like I've got an addictive personality. Yeah. So I'm allowed to sniff perming solution. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do it anymore. <laughs> and... So I changed my whole look and I came back and the first thing to visit and stuff. And I didn't grow up in an environment that was very supportive of creative people in any way, shape or form. We had the Musical and Dramatic Society and unless you were somebody who had a bit of money and a bit of a reputation like a family kind of lineage yep. and you were a bit cool, you were, you were not acceptable. Like, And if you joined the Musical and Dramatic Society, it made you even worse. Because uh, yeah, 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 
And so, but there were people in the music on Dramatic Society that wrote the scripts and that put all the money into the productions, but they were cool. So if you didn't, yeah. So it was all this small town politics, right? Yeah. So I went back and I looked very different. And the first thing that was said to me was, are you a lesbian? And I went, <laughs> <laughs> not, and that isn't, that's to me, that would be a compliment. Like that would be just a, a piece of feedback. Yeah. It was an insult. And I go, okay. <laughs> are you like do you think you're better than us or something and I was like because uh, it hadn't crossed my mind I don't often think about status like in terms of what is my status in relationship you use it. I'm like so short little bit of a blank and then you're weird and I was kind of like okay I and that was the thing that got me because growing up I was I'm adopted and I have no resemblance to the family that I grew up in. So I, I'm very creative. I've always been very creative and expressive. And I remember one of the worst things that ever happened to me, even though I grew up in this, like it was an environment of trauma. Yeah. <laughs> one of the worst things that ever happened to me, I thought, was when I was dancing around in a skirt, like this skirt I bought from a charity shop, and I did a very uncool move. I didn't realise that the skirt bottom didn't have a very big radius and I went to do a high kick oh, and no. trip myself over, <laughs> hit my tailbone on the lino. <gasps> I had a house with a lino in it and fell backwards and, and sort of gave myself a hit in the head. But it wasn't even that because I was used to that kind of physical sensation. Yeah. <laughs> it was the fact that I didn't do the move properly uh. and that I was embarrassed because I, I had this vision. <laughs> But I've been called weird my whole life. Both cameras have died because we're having such a good time. And we need to make sure the microphones are in the right spot. Can you talk to each other? Yeah, forward the, more. The yeah, if you lean. Got, this is a head mic. So this is actually what my hair sounds like. <laughs> just in case. Just in case you didn't know. So we were talking about weird. Yeah, just the fridge magnet. You can't oh, be, yeah. you can't be giving the gift of a fridge magnet. That's not okay. Like, like I'm not going to go to Greece and then come back and give you a fridge magnet and be like, I went to Greece. Here's proof that you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, now you now you say like, it I got like given, that. It's a bit of a sucky gift. And we're not, we're not supposed to say that. No, and I, like, I mean, it's lovely, but when I did a house sit once, I looked after a house. It's like very, very powerful, rich couple went to Port Douglas. Mm. Great, fine had a really good time they're really lovely people they came back and they gave me a magnet magnet but it was custom made and it just said thanks for looking after our house while we were in port douglas and i'm like you went out of your way to get a magnet made to remind me that i lived in your house while you were in port douglas i don't understand that i don't understand that either but you know, you know, let's we can do a dramatic reenactment, right? Okay. We can be them. Right? Okay. I've got the perfect gift for Hannah. <laughs> let's get her a fridge magnet <gasps> that says, "What could we say?" <gasps> we could, we could, we could tell her thank you. We could say thank you for looking after our house, and and we'll remind her that it was because we were away here in Port Douglas. That's genius. That is. Let's do it. Only cost four dollars. <laughs> we can take that out. Was of there a picture on it? No, it was just the words. <laughs> 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 
if you're listening, we're like it's it, with loads of love. That is really weird. Yeah, just don't give fridge magnets unless it's like your and friend's we'll face. Put a picture on it. Yeah, like your friend's face. Like make it a bit more personal, not personal in the sense of like literal. Like you did this while we were here. <laughs> But here's just a like, fridge magnet yeah. put to remind you. Yeah, put it on your like freaking op shop fridge to remind you that you couldn't afford to go to Port yeah. Douglas. You know what would be better? Because what? what I probably really wanted to say is you're great and thank you. If they'd have got you a magnet that said you're great, because then you stick that on your fridge, you'd go, yeah, yeah I that's know. Nice. Yeah. Manifestation, not manifestation. Um, Positive affirmation. Thank you, that's the one. Yeah. 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 Well, that's great. You're great. You're great. You're great. I'm going to give you a magnet that says you're great and you're weird. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the best. (laughs) Okay, we're going to do the next last bits. Okay. So, obviously, on the You're Weird podcast, we do the um, superpower Mm. section. Now, I asked you what superpower you would like to have. Please tell the listeners what superpower you wanted. Super vocabulary. Super vocabulary. And why did you want that one? Well, I thought I'd do a little bit of fleshing out of that. Oh. Yeah, because I thought, mm, a wordsmith, and I was like, oh. so How I found lovely. some definitions. I love you got this in a little exercise book, a little A5 exercise book. It's and very look, cute. look. <gasps> it's yellow, like the branding of your weird, and it says notes celebrity. And I wrote my name on it That's in case I have a moment where I forget. Lost in a character. Yes. Yeah, you lost your identity. Yes. <laughs> It's okay. always important. I draw the line, though. I do not label my clothes or put Band-Aids on the insides of my shirt with That's my name weird. on them. That is weird. That's the bad weird. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that is. Particularly if you, if you really want to mess up an actor who's transformed, right? Get their clothes, <laughs> put a Band-Aid in the middle of it, like on the label, with someone else's name. <laughs> like, don't hold me to that because they could – but you could do that. That's so yeah, that's right. Okay, so super vocabulary. So vocabulary is all the words used by a particular person. So mm-hmm. all the words, like all the words used. Every so that's one. their vocabulary or a vocabulary of a person. Okay. And then there's, so I've changed it and I've gone, a super vocabulary is knowing all the words of all the people <gasps> and beyond. Wow. So it'd be super. So like I would know everybody's words, like all of That's them. That's great. All of the swear words, all of the really huge super long ones that you can't say from syllables. Whales. Yeah. 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 Oh no, you just do this <laughs> and then you get it. And you just do it for different lengths of time. Yeah. And then you can you go, Oh, I can speak Welsh. <laughs> and then all the words known. In a particular language or subject. So that's also vocabulary. So all the words known in a particular language or subject. And I thought, okay, if you're going to make it super, mm-hmm. it would be every language. So all the words known in every language and every subject. I love it. Yeah. And why is so that I can then talk to anybody about anything. I won't necessarily understand it. A bit like Shakespeare when I was told a Shakespeare story and I didn't so, understand it. But you could actually or we could have a conversation with anybody about anything and have all the right words. It's not about articulation and enunciation because we all trip over words. It doesn't do. matter yep. how many voice, voice exercises we do, whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Be able to just have that connection and you'd be able to get so many stories and do sorts of stuff. That is so beautiful. Yeah. 
You could even talk to animals. That was going to be my question. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah, that is such a good, that's a really good one. Yeah. It's a really good one. And I could maybe revive that dead plant, although that really needed a lot of light. Heaps of light. I'm so sorry. Yeah. It was a sad time. (laughs) Yeah. But it's fine. We blossomed outside of it. And do you know what? Like that, it's really interesting asking people what um, superpower they'd have because they're always really interesting. Like that's a really. What's the weirdest superpower you've ever had so far? So far. Um, it would be my friend Jill, who's a comedian. She said, I would like to have the power to steal other people's collagen. <laughs> <laughs> that is a bit – because then she could get away from, like, all the markets. There's so much marketing about collagen and right? so much damage all that's been done about – like, let's have a collagen gummy. Okay, but let's not talk about the two teaspoons of sugar you've put in there and that all the colouring is No, but it'll make you look younger because it's got collagen. Also, collagen, that's not how it works. Collagen heals your gut, doesn't do your skin. It only just fixes your gut and your gut affects your skin, so it's wrong marketing. Jill, you're – yeah, she's under – she's got to keep that quiet, though. Yeah, I know. Because they'll come – they'll come get her. Oh, no. Keep her safe. It's fine. Yeah, okay. But so I've I've drawn yours. I've drawn a cartoon of you. Oh, wow. It's so exciting. And it's interesting because it's like they're really hard – to put to put that into I'm so excited. into a thing. <laughs> I didn't know I was going to have this. And so I've done. I, I went. I went on a search to find a good portrait of you, and then I found like a good picture of you that I was like, this is kind of like the embodiment in part of what I think you're saying. Like this would be like you in like the power moment of you having all the super vocabulary. Okay. And um, yeah, this is you. <laughs> oh. Wow, look what you've done with my pants. Yeah, man, your pants have like all like things that are important to you. Okay, so identity down there. I had this, this is a, for the listeners, this is uh, myself in my graduation robes uh, after my PhD. Oh my God, I'm very pretty. You are very pretty. <laughs> That's not a hard thing to draw. I had these um, pants on, which had all these flowers and different designs and lollies and stuff on them because I, you know, I'm not going to wear a black suit on graduation day. And, <laughs> Hannah's written on them all my favourite things. So dance and words and sun and identity with a question mark. Perfect. Thank you. Perfect. <laughs> and there's one in books. Books, yeah. Moon. Mm. I love the moon. <laughs> oh, this is, wow. Acting, of course. Of course. And music. This is, oh. And then it's got every word ever written by Dr. Susie. Thank you. Every whatever. And then did you like this? And I've got blue fingernails, which is great. Yeah. Um, in my spare time. Well. I'm <laughs> so it reads, the caption is, that I'm speaking is, in my spare time, I'm the dictionary and thesaurus. But I'm not autocorrect. That guy is a stult, a stultus? Stultus, yeah. What is this? Oh, my God. <laughs> That, I'll just read the whole thing again because it's, it's so great. In my spare time, I'm the dictionary and thesaurus, but I'm not autocorrect. That guy is a stultus. Ellipsis, dot, dot, dot. That's Latin for stupid. <laughs> wow. Do I do I get this? Can I frame it? That's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to send it to you and you can do what you want I feel with like, it. I feel so moved and just privileged and blessed to have time to speak with you and to receive this. Ditto. Oh, I'm so happy blame. that you that you came on. I'm so happy you like it. 
I love it. It's not like me. Like <laughs> it's I love it, and it's just such a beautiful encapsulation of things that are really like that are very core to me, um, and core part of being here on the planet. You know, it's just great. Yeah. Wow, that is priceless. That's invaluable. And the robes actually look better here than they actually are. <laughs> In judgmental, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they fit better too. There you go. Maybe I should just be a fashion designer. I could, I could, you know, try them like that. Yeah, and just do that. On. Yeah, do that. Yay! That's brilliant. I'm glad you like it. I love it. Okay, I'm going to send that to you, and then you can do what you would like with I'm it. I'm framing it. I'm so framing it, and okay. it can go in my home. <gasps> in your home. That can go in my home. Oh, that's delicious. Can you send me a photo of it when it's in your home? Hundred billion percent. Okay, good. So, final task. Yes. Homework. Oh. What are you going to tell I, the listeners well, to do? What being, are they going to take away? Taking my teacher path of myself. I love it. I wrote homework for listeners and I did that in pink pen. Beautiful. Homework. Read. Really read. So reading isn't about, and it took me years to come to terms with how much I love reading. I used to hide in the library. I'd, I found people very... People often come across when I was, particularly when I was younger, as, as characters. So, <laughs> and I couldn't really understand. So I had to learn how to talk to people before. And stories were always very, very close to me and animals. Right? Mm-hmm. And so reading was something that was not only a refuge, but I used to read all different kinds of stuff. So I'd read everything from like a some sort of textbook just to look at the pictures or look at the images, like a science textbook. And I found the Darwinian theory and no. and vampire graphic novels, which we weren't supposed to, like when I was younger, you weren't supposed to have a vampire graphic novel because they, like, bite you in the neck <gasps> and they suck the blood out and the, the girl, like, looks a bit like, you know, she's in ecstasy or something. I know, it's so rude. So reading, but reading all different kinds of things. So reading... I was once made fun of by some peers a couple of years ago because on my day off I decided to read a journal article that had nothing to do with acting and I posted on Facebook that I just found this really interesting theory and I think it was, I don't know what it was now, but there was a, a, a few comments made oh, on on my day off I pay, play Candy Crush or something, which I've never played, or on my day off I do this and I was like, okay, well, yay. we're reading lots of different things so even if it's reading the uh, a label on a food that you don't know or reading something about a celebrity star who like i recently read something about one of the girls from geordie shaw Mm. who's changed her entire so it's an identity driven curiosity changed her entire identity from being one thing to another and is now on another reality television. I was like, oh, I'm just going to read about whether that's real or not or did they, you know, or reading something, like I read a children's book. There. I read Dr. Zeus for the first time in my Beautiful. life. And I went, Dr. Zeus is amazing. <laughs> so just, re- you know, and of course, you know, girlfriends are going, and yeah. And I'm like, no, really. <laughs> uh, so read and practice. Always practice. So it doesn't matter what it is, practice it. Mm. So go practice. So if you have a theory, like I learnt a theory in like a practice in New York and the first thing I did instead of going in touristing was I went out onto the street to the Flatiron Building 
on the corner of, I don't know what street it is, right in the middle of Manhattan, and started to practice this technique to see if I could actually get the response that I was told I could get. And I was like, but nobody batted in light. I mean, it's New York. Nobody's like blinking, but I'm going, it's not, I don't know if it's working or not. I just practice. And I practice all the time. So I practice every day. And sometimes my big thing that I need to not do is practice, like just to stop practicing. Yeah, you got to relax. <laughs> and stop, yeah. stop. Let the work do the work in the background. Yeah. yeah. So read, practice, mm-hmm. and exercise. So this is a big thing. Whatever exercise means, it's not walking. So I'm going to be really upfront about that and very, very direct. <gasps> Love it. Going for a walk is, yes, it's movement and it's action. But for us as, as creatives and act, particularly as actors, getting show fit, which is a, a term that I came across <laughs> because you're in rehearsal for a show, is not okay. Like, you just don't do, don't. Don't disrespect your own abilities by by limiting them. Mm. So if you exercise and you can get in touch with the way that your muscles work and the way that you are in movement and the way that you are when you have to exert yourself and what that feels like and what comes out of your body and being really present and witnessing and observing that and then training your body into a muscular response that is not only economical but also highly sensitised and present then you're going to get so much more fun when you're doing your work. Mm. So getting show fit and getting fit because you're in a grueling rehearsal process or you, because you're, you're experimenting with a character or a theory, whatever, that, that's not the thing. To me, that's, that's, so your homework is go and exercise or find some exercise that you mm. really like doing and do it regularly. Really, really good advice. Proper. And it, Pilates is an exercise because that stuff hurts, right? Pilates. Pilates. Oh, yeah, yeah. And because there's a bit of a mythology. Pilates is not exercise. Actually, it's really rigorous. Why do people say it's not exercise? Because they probably don't do it. That's stupid. Well, they it's do a couple of sit-ups because you can cheat in Pilates. You can cheat. You can cheat. You can cheat in yoga. You can definitely cheat Yeah, in you can totally cheat. Yeah. yeah. So exercise and... The, I thought about this one and I, I'm, I need to say it. Okay. Go talk to the person or the people, wherever you are, that you either don't like but don't know yeah. or are frightened of because you don't know what the conversation would be. Go talk to them. Just It starts with hello. That's so juicy. Yeah, because it's it'll bring up something. For you, no, no, that's not to say go talk to somebody who's really dangerous because it's just odd. <laughs> there is a line. There yeah. is a very fine line. <laughs> but some some of the stuff that we carry around with ourselves, and this is just through lived experience and through some spiritual practices, but testing it out too. So I'm a big tester. So I could read something and get told something, and until I test it, I'm like, nah. Oh, oh okay. you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. yeah. So go talk to that person that you you're resisting or that you don't and just find out what's what's there and you will find something for yourself and it will be that material maybe that you've been looking for or an idea or a different perspective that will just loosen you up a little bit or it just could form a connection that you've been missing or it could just be like I'm really glad to talk to you I don't want to ever talk to you again yeah but I've done it and the fear dissipates you know or the resistance or whatever it is but you can often learn something yeah that's juicy that's so much good homework yeah but you got the big thing is doing it that's the big thing 
I mean, like, this is the part which I give to you, listeners. You have to go and do the homework. I can't come to your house and make you do it. No, that's just not on. There's a line. That would be And that weird. would cross the line. That would be weird. That would be the bad weird. Yeah. That Actually, would be the police offence weird. That would be the – yeah, you could – I'm not into the police coming to my house. No. Although <laughs> sometimes they're really nice. Just yeah, as obviously they're not nice. coming to get you. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, if they're yeah. coming to get you, that's – yeah, that – no. Let's not have that. That's I'm going in. No. 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 No, no. no. Well, that is beautiful, Susie. Thank you so much for coming on to this podcast. Thank you so much for sharing so much of your story. Oh, thanks. And thank you for like bringing these ideas and fleshing them out with me. This is, I think this is really important chat for people to listen to. People want to create, every person really. We need to relax. We need to do the work. You need to be finding out who you are as a person before you can lay a work on top of it. And you need to be okay to be weird. If dank can be a negative word and then be a positive word, weird can be a negative word and then be a positive word. 100 billion percent. I'm going to be campaigning for that. Well, well, yeah, me too. But maybe the vibrations are already out there and it's starting to make a difference. Yeah, I'm so. I grateful. mean, that's less. <laughs> <laughs> so grateful that you've created this, and so grateful to have this space to come and talk together with you. You're you. an extraordinary person to sit with and talk with. Ditto. You're amazing. <laughs> I'm sure that we're going to talk a lot more. <laughs> I know. Oh. I know. <laughs> Thanks for getting weird with me. If you liked the episode, please subscribe and leave a review. And if you really liked the episode, consider signing up to the Patreon where you can help me help you. You'll get early access, uncut episodes, bonus episodes, and some other cheeky extras that you'll have to check out. You can find it at patreon.com forward slash Hannah Sainty. Now let's be more creative and less strung out. And remember that you're weird because being normal is really boring.